Yeah, do we want to? Yeah, I guess so. Let's do this on. podcast. Then I'm gonna okay, eat, I'm gonna eat my second cheesesteak of the day. It's gonna be of the day, not in a row, but of the day from the cheesesteak shop. It wasn't. No, oh. it was from a place called Metro Cafe. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's just—that's not quite as, the it's, sponsor. It's, it's the maybe not shop. quite as good, but uh, I'd love to get a sponsorship from the cheesesteak shop. Mm. We can mention okay. their names. I'd for, for free as, 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 as much as we can, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, man, that that would be. Uh, that'd be Except that I don't think they'd give a fuck about us. No, I I doubt it as well. But. Get some uh, get some of that cheesesteak money. Get, get give him that sweet cheesesteak dollars. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, I'd do it for just a free bacon steak. Welcome to cheesesteak ruminations. Mm, meat talk. Can't stop the signal, can't stop the noise. Yeah, is that, we're getting just more and more informal with uh, with these intros, aren't we? They're getting softer. Yeah. Just, just, soft intro, just getting softer. We can do know. a soft intro. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> a, soft, a soft breathe straight into the mic. Let's, intro. let's harmonize breathing. <sighs> oh, oh hey, hi. I, I didn't, didn't see you there. there. No, oh uh, no! I don't, I don't want any. That's I, I, I don't want any. Didn't see you there. Uh, <laughs> this is definitely yet another. Oh hi! I didn't see you there. That is yet another. I think we might be uh, tapping out the well on lack of awareness of starting the show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm pretty aware that I'm starting the show now. I really. I'm pretty aware. We would we, pretty. We would be in season two if we were a television show. So. Uh, would we? <laughs> yeah. If we were a BBC already done. show. Well, fuck, what was the If we introduced some well-defined characters and had them quickly <laughs> go through some yeah, experiences. We some new characters, we need a whole new... But uh, I'm not sure that we've done a lot just... of that. We've done a lot of dick jokes. Yeah, maybe... We've moved on yeah. from asking yeah, but we cock get, picks. Maybe we should maybe you know, bring it back around to this, like a you know, season one reference for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Remember they did the ask... Oh, that's so great. <laughs> Remember this? Bring let's, it, just, let's, back. let's just do a clip show, but fuck not this with clips. I'm getting a fucking root now. This sucks. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember, yeah, sorry, yeah. I remember that. Is this a? Did you make a soundboard? I did make a soundboard. Oh, oh he's got yeah. all these. Oh, Fair man, enough. That's the that. soft intro to the show and the soundboard. And apparently, the soundboard. Like, okay, now we have a soundboard. We, we got some great stuff in here. <laughs> Most recently, life will go on without the Boomtown Rats for you, my friend. <laughs> it really it's will. That's true. It's a hard truth, but a truth nonetheless. Do you have Hutch Harris talking about kids? Oh man, I've got the best. So yeah, Hutch Harris, great episode. Last episode, great guest, and my new favorite thing of all time is uh, is uh, this here. Your kid's not in the band. Your kid sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Your kid sucks. Your kid sucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also have uh, Mr. Andrew Elsner from uh, Torch and Tilts. <laughs> Portman don't. <laughs> Portman don't. Be, being amused. I gotta say, Andrew Elsner wins the award for maybe being most on board with, with our shtick. Torch, uh, I mean, there's been a few people that have rolled into it pretty well. Ryan was, Ryan pretty was hard. Pretty Ryan was very Ryan was, on board. He was. He was on board and not bored. So was Mike, but also, you know, like, just it's... bored, and then you're bored, and then the bartender's fucking bored. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> bored. Bored. Is this available the to the uh, the consumer that can't get enough? No. Yeah. Uh, you should well, go up. ahead and get on the internet and search for this, because you ain't going to fucking find it, loser. <laughs> this is our toy. Wait, so Google doesn't have this? So Google, <laughs> not, you can't stop the signal soundboard, unavailable.org. Mm. Yeah, man. I was going to say, it's much easier when you're in the room, though. I think that's why with Mike and Ryan, it was... Sure. Oh, easy. sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, you kind of get. It's, it's well, when you're on the phone, uh, we just railroad you. <laughs> well, and you kind of have to do like 
question, response, question, response. Or yeah, it ends up being just a little overwhelming for sure. But uh, we have a we have a pretty great guest on this episode of You Can't Stop the Signal. We do indeed, Sir uh, Stephen Hyden. Sir, he's been knighted. Sir Has Stephen he? N. Hyden. By just just the three of us. No. Oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Totally. Yeah, he has. Not by the queen by or the anything. Three of us. But, uh, now our our kingdom actually does not extend beyond. Come on over here, baby. I'll knight you. Yeah. Night nonetheless. I just realized you're wearing an Arnold Schwarzenegger t-shirt. <laughs> I am. The Terminate Violence shirt has gotten me a lot of uh, compliments <laughs> since I've been violence. wearing it. <laughs> Terminate Violence. It's a kind of... I forget that I'm wearing for, it. For uh, the listening audience, Evan is wearing a t-shirt that has the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator character, and it says... It has the Arnold Schwarzenegger like signature on it. It does. It That's a, this is an violence. endorsed item, I believe. Yeah, and it's, in, it's a T2 era... Yeah, definitely the T two era Schwarzenegger, oh, but yeah. I don't. I don't think James Cameron and the studio were on board with it. But I think Schwarzenegger himself was on board. Um, it's probably probably the subject of some litigious debate back in the times. But I found it at a thrift store. Oh, well, it's a good backstory, right, guys? So you didn't buy it to promote, not promote. Not yeah, I was gonna say I don't really violence. know that the proceeds of this shirt did anything no. to terminate <laughs> violence. <laughs> But I haven't perpetrated any violence in this shirt or any other shirt. Well, living a hollow lie. Well, that's good. That's... <laughs> so, well, I'm doing my part personally to passively terminate violence by say as many just not as having any violent encounters. Oh, I got peas that's for good. you. I, mean, I got peas for you right here. Uh, did you really see a murderer? Uh, he's no, but he's an asshole. <laughs> Wait, what was that? <laughs> Is that about the dude from Deicide? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is gonna. Well, be great. Let's, let's, let's let's revisit that later. Maybe hear some music.
Survival Knife. Name that tune. That's off of the Survival Knife 7-inch that came out. On, uh, it's called Name That Tune. It's, called, it's, it's indeed called Name That, that Tune. That was not a challenge. <laughs> Name that tune. If you feel like you've got the chops and you got, signal, that can't bring stop it, the signal bring it. on that. They created an huh? infinite huh? regression huh? with huh? that song title. Sassy little band uh, featuring Justin Trosper and uh, Brant from Unwound. Mm-hmm. I saw those fellows play with uh, Interesting. the other fellow that plays drums and the... The lady that plays bass in a Oakland squat. I saw the pictures in my news news feed. I saw it. Did you like them? I uh, I I don't know if I did. Well, I don't I may know. Have, it like, looks like there's some vulgar language on the walls. There was there was. It looked like a place I would not feel safe at. So I was I wasn't sure about them. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I you know I don't know that I really liked them. So I don't know. If I can... <laughs> Thank you for explaining your inner turmoil. <laughs> no problem. Trippy situation. It was definitely like you had to go down to Eli's to go urinate. Like it was one of those. Like, oh no, there's not a working bathroom here. You have to go in the yard or go down the street to the bar down the street. Like, oh, okay, it's a real ass. rat. All right. Yeah. Nice. That was a good show. Reptilian shapeshifters played. Rock City. Survival knife, pretty killer. I mean, I've been a fan of uh, Justin's guitar work for forever. I mean, Unwound is one of my favorite bands of all time, and uh, Brand Snow slouch himself. Auxiliary player, so it's really cool. I got that seven inch. That's one of the songs off the seven inch. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Wow, I thought you were just gonna mutter. No, that's great. I'm, t- I'm over. Cool. You know, it's season two. Yeah, fair I enough. need to it actually is, step up two. my game and be. We're ready to show some character growth. It's pretty good. Fantastic. Ready to have some fucking layers. Oh, don't worry. I'll be drunk by the end of this. I'll totally mutter again. Peel me like an onion. Make no points whatsoever. <laughs> Fast forward 45 minutes. <laughs> I, mean, I still don't have any notes for the show. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh, mouse, mouse, stop playing. Stop playing. <laughs> the only notes I have for the show. That was my microphone uh, doing an uh, impersonation of Mouse's microphone. The Jack LaLanne. Uh, <laughs> dank, dank the original he, Dank Jangos. Yeah, Jack LaLanne power Jangos. juicing. Jack LaLanne power juicing. <laughs> Which is oh, pretty great. That's so good. And that's uh, even contextless, that's pretty great. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty great. I'm, I'm for it. Uh, but it makes, to be fair, about, rather, it makes me think about Doctor. I'd rather, I'd rather talk about Lincoln Park. Doctor Funke's <laughs> good time, all 100% natural, all family band. We will be talking possibly about some Lincoln Park with Stephen Hyden mm-hmm. as part of uh, his actually just, winner's uh, history of rock and roll series of articles. Reading that one today. Oh, that did you? That was furiously reading. That's, it. that's crazy because I thought about. <laughs> I thought about like harping on you about it, and I'm like, maybe it'll work if I don't say anything. <laughs> he had this, um, and it, it's awesome. awesome. He had like notations. He had really? like, uh, <laughs> you print, you printed them out. <laughs> Jesus, this guy, Mr. Pre production. I know. I was, I was, I was, I was already a bus. Pre production Menoir over here. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. Like, the, I skimmed the, them on my phone. Like, I read them already, like, a couple yeah. months ago. I've read them all, but, uh, I don't know if you uh, <laughs> noticed the highlighters over in the corner. I was going to maybe it's, think, but they're, it's all pretty pretty golden there's no like well oh, that's the one sentence you know it's all yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty fucking great <laughs> that's about this. cool that's, a, that's amazing I, I was, a, it looks like you made a trip to kinko's uh no i i happened to or you just had like excellent a, supplies a girlfriend that yeah. works, has a printer uh, no, nope no, there you go place with a printer it's nice. a beautiful thing yeah, i can save a little money that way yeah, there there are <laughs> there are a few that i didn't Sorry. get to <laughs> 
It's been like an hour configuring. I'm gonna use it. Because they're oh, all yeah. they're all pretty it's fucking great. great. Like I didn't get to a uh, the Aerosmith, Metallica, or uh, uh Black Keys ones. Yeah. Cool. I'm sure I've been reading this. I say you have a good feel. <laughs> Let me shake it. Shake it into the microphone. Doesn't sound like that when you read it online, folks. No, it doesn't really. Not at all. Yeah, so that can be found on uh, Grantland. On Grantland. Which the we'll, Winner's we'll, History of Rock and Roll. We'll, we'll post a link to that and uh, a lot of other great Stephen Hyden pieces. But uh, there yeah, as well. I'm looking forward to talking to him because it's there's a zillion, just a zillion things to talk about. Yeah, from. yeah. It's, it's a really it's interesting series. It's a, long, it's a long read, but it's a very good read. Yeah, there's... <laughs> It was definitely, as far as the talking about music and talking about rock and roll and, and the the wonderful and terrible things that are associated with it, it fits very nicely in with what we do on this show. And I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of interested. For me, it's 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 almost like oh, this is like an outside the box sort of guest, but like kind of totally inside the box. It is totally. I mean, it's a get. It, it, I think it's going to be material that really fits in with uh, everything we've done. This is a sweet pre-production meeting we're having right now on the air. <laughs> by the way, guys. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but if you're not if you haven't read the series yet, and um, he will explain it in his own words, of course. But it's basically like the winner's history of rock and roll being sort of like the inverse alternative to like Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States, right? Being that like rock critics and people who've documented music tend to write about what they think is good instead of what was really the zeitgeist, like what was right. was mainstream, what was what was the biggest thing at the time. Yeah, exactly. What was and sort of what like, was the and then real, that's, that's what not what's really been written about out arenas and shit. Yeah, so why don't we uh, why don't we play another song and uh, get Mr. Hyden on the phone? Yeah, How about that. Yeah, cool. Now that okay. you're teased properly. Yeah, now that you're <laughs> titillated, you're perhaps. Titillated enough. You're gonna have to wait. Here's some death fix. <laughs> Screw the road that we left behind Forget the 
was a death fix with better than bad and on the phone right now we have the man the myth the legend himself mr stephen hyden so steve stephen hello hey we, we got you now all right welcome <laughs> we were trying hey. to get, we were trying to get fancy over here and uh, that pretty much blew it didn't work <laughs> yeah it was a big mistake on our parts to uh to try to up our game no problem but now hey, sorry uh sorry i wasn't there when you called no, that's okay. No sweat. We the the reason the reason why that's totally okay is because I was trying to pull a pro move and get you on the phone while the during last the song music. Was playing. Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> this isn't live. So we're, it's we're, yeah, we're getting yeah, we're gonna work itself out. Air. Yeah. So yeah, hi Steven. Uh, this is Conan. Evan. Hey, it's up on mouse. Uh, welcome, oh, welcome to you can't stop the signal. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Nice. nice. Uh, chatting with you guys. Yeah, so we uh, we were just we were just chatting a little bit about uh, winner's history of rock and roll, uh, which we were hoping you know we could speak to you a little bit about. Interesting series. It's funny thing. The first thing whenever I mentioned anyone and, and being a fan of music writing, especially kind of insightful or incisive music writing that goes beyond just saying, oh, it's like a cross between whatever and whatever. Where it actually makes a point of some kind. I always mention and they're like, oh, what what? It's makes- like Icarus line meets chick chick chick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, what? Well, what bands are in it? And so I mentioned, oh, you know, like Led Zeppelin, you know, Aerosmith, uh, Metallica, Lincoln Park, and they're like, oh, I don't like Lincoln Park at all. And it's like, oh. <laughs> it, it, I say it's it's amazing. I, I was I was entranced by it, so I tr- tried to tell lots of people about it. And Conan is one who I actually sold, which is yeah, excellent. absolutely, <laughs> and why we're doing this. Many other people, yeah, will just not understand the concept of it in a way. Like, they'll try to reject it because it's like, these are bad bands. And it's like, it's not about whether they're good or bad bands. Right. I mean, right. But there's, yeah, there's, there's something that's surprisingly difficult for people to wrap their mind around. Like, it's in the title. That. It's in the title to yeah. me. It's like, it's the winner's history of rock and roll. Right. Yeah, that was definitely um, a roadblock, I think, with getting people, you know, like like the Led Zeppelin chapter. Like, people read that. And it, and it was really a good starting guys, point. Because, yeah. yeah. And it's an easy it's a starting point, but it's also you know every, I mean everyone yeah. loves what that one and they get behind that. But then if you're gonna write four thousand words on Bon Jovi, that's a harder sell <laughs> for people to get them to read that. You know, Cause, right. 
you know, I, I think but I thought it was more interesting. I, I did too. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, honestly, like, like you know, people would ask me, you know, because there's there's a lot of bands that I could have written about that I didn't write about just because I, I felt like, well, for one thing, I felt like there was like a narrative that kind of connected all the parts that totally made sense in my mind at least to, to write about these particular bands. But like, for instance, you know, I could have written about U2. You know, U2 is a very successful band. But I didn't write about U2 because, like, a lot has already been written about them. Right, you know? but there's and ground like, that's been well, covered. Yeah, and, and you, yeah, yeah, you also touch on them, like, you know, in the Bon Jovi one. You know, like, you touch, you know, like, they, they get brought into the, you know. They, they get mentioned well, as reference to the story, which, and the, the thing yeah. to me that makes this, what makes it a really interesting set, uh, set of pieces is that it is a sort of overarching story. It is the story of rock and roll. Yeah, maybe before we get too far into the nerding out, we should maybe have you explain what the central premise <laughs> of the series is. Well, the idea was that when we talk about music history, a lot of times it's written by the losers. And I, and I, and I put losers in, in quote marks, you know, the, the idea of being that, you know, like we talk a lot more about, you know, bands like the Velvet Underground, or we talk about like punk bands or, you know, bands that like weren't necessarily commercially successful in their time, but in retrospect, we look back on them as being great bands. You know, more specifically, the people who write rock history look at those bands as being great bands. Right. I mean, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, I, I mean like, you know, I love the Velvet Underground. I love, like any of like you know the underground rock that like music history often focuses on, like I love all those bands. Like this isn't like a, I'm not saying that like Bon Jovi is better than those bands, but I thought it would be interesting to like. Yeah, write oh, Bon Jovi! Why would I read this? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah, I think I, you're I, missing the point completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought it'd be more. I thought it'd be interesting to like write about like really successful bands. And try to figure out like why were these bands successful and what did their success say about rock music during the, the period that they were most popular and like maybe like the culture at large. Right. So, because there was, there was know, changes that have happened that are very distinct cultural paradigm shifts over over time. Yeah, I think like the the Aerosmith one and Aerosmith two is a good example of totally. that. They're both very representative of their time. And and right, and which, like, which are two, two, two very, very different times, but they managed to just <laughs> find one angle of the first version of the band and like just play it up, right, to help prop up right. the version two of the band. Sure. And like, and like you know, like you know, one of the, one of the bands I wrote about was Kiss because like I you know I thought Kiss was an interesting band, but I also you know they were a good vehicle to talk about a lot of the sort of underhanded stuff that's going on in the music business in order for bands to be successful. You know, the, the idea of like you know like uh, of all the payola and all of like the, the chart padding and and all that kind of stuff. But also, if you look at Kiss, they're an example of a band that went out into towns that never had rock bands. Right, you know, yeah, they would play totally. for American yeah, yeah. towns. That, that's and the like part that how, was so interesting to me. I was like, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't know that about them. Yeah, I'm not, they were I, totally like, a, we play Cedar Rapids and Cedar Falls kind right, of, like, exactly. kind of tour. Places right, that know, people yeah. just wouldn't go to. People, places that Led Zeppelin wasn't playing at, you know, places that, uh, you yeah. Yeah, and you made the, the point really good in that, that, like, that, you know, they were, they were, they made their audience, you know, like, and their yeah. audience kind of, that audience also made them in a lot of ways, you know. And I mean, yeah. I, I think that chapter is really sum, summed up at the, at the end very well, just by like the articles being written about them, and like was I can't remember what Gene Simmons says exactly, but something like you know, make sure to treat the fans well in it. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes me understand how Kiss got to be Kiss a lot more. Right. Yeah. The, the idea that like 
they recognized people that weren't really being recognized elsewhere, like that they had a constituency that was being ignored. And I think that's, you know, because one of the things that the series kind of goes into later is talking about, you know, rock bands now and like how you, you know, especially if you're talking about like indie rock stuff, it, it seems like it's more of a big city kind of elite type phenomenon than it is about going into like little podunk towns and trying to convert people. I mean, you know, that's, that's a somewhat simplistic way of putting it. I and mean, obviously there's been a lot of other changes. I mean, it's not like if, if you were a band today, if you just acted like Kiss, that you'd yeah, exactly. I mean, not, it, not, not playing all those towns it. now would probably not yield the same kind of yeah, results yeah. that it once did. Well, and it's so also the, the entire nature of touring has changed as as well. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, bands are hitting the major metropolitan areas because that's they can only afford to be out for certain amounts of time. So they they think, okay, we want to hit these big cities, but then by, a lot of places get neglected because of that, which is sort of to a certain degree, turning back to the same era for the Kiss chapter, like, oh, these places, they don't get to have a kick-ass rock show with explosions and, like, you know, Gene Simmons sticking his tongue out and uh, the Twit Rock City <laughs> going and things like that. And that's... No, it's inspired a great loyalty to them. Even sure. to this day, even Mer- after yeah. shameless mercantile uh, years and years later. Kiss coffins, for fuck's sake. I mean, you know, <laughs> but still, like, a loyalty to it that's like, wow, that's amazing. But it was always presented as branding, really, from the beginning. So it's, right. it's relatively consistent. It's branding, and you know, just to kind of go back to what you guys were saying before. You know, by the way, I really appreciate you guys talking about this, and uh, you know, appreciate that you read it and that you would talk to people and try to get them to read it. You know, I, I think cool it's series. interesting. It's like, it is a, yeah, it is. A really I mean, cool it's series. it's like probably one of the more interesting pieces of music writing that I've seen in quite some time. And I say that as someone that's a fan of music writing, which is what makes me so depressed about reading so much music writing, <laughs> is that most of it's terrible. And it actually was really fucking cool. Like, I actually had to, like, pace myself to not, like, pull, like, a net Read it all and once. Read it all at once. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that, that's, that's really cool, man. I not me. I read, I read most of um, it in the last few days. So, sorry. But, so awesome. But, it's still, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, I loved it just as much, and I understand why these guys have been pumping on it, pumping me on it for so long, you know? Like, they actually challenged uh, that, me. That, a week ago to like you won't have any of it read by the Lex next week and I was like fuck you guys I'm gonna and he came in and he has like an annotated version there's a uh, there's notes yeah, he has, there's notes there's tabs <laughs> yeah dude I was it's like held together was in looking, a binder you know, like during the conversation I was just looking for a quote you had on the, in the kiss part because it was really like it was really interesting to me like like the way that you know you explained the way they they really did bring that brand to small town like they were like fuck the big cities we're gonna like because and they understood that that's a real marketplace that is being ignored you know it was kind of. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like a Walmart approach now. to being a band. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, and, and if you look at like the, the you know like the early history of like American indie music, like if you want to look at like if you look at like Black Flag as being like the beginning of like you know the the modern era of like underground American rock, you know they had the same philosophy. I mean, they would go out and they would play places that were no band like Black Flag had ever played before. Sure. You know, and they yeah, were totally. basically. Cupertino creating Center. a network yeah, totally. of venues <laughs> Which that makes other bands would follow. And that's why people talk and about like, it to this day. You know? like, I remember I saw Flag one time. They played it you know, over in <laughs> Tacoma, and it was like at some kid's garage. In the crazy. same way that people talk about Kiss shows when you meet yeah. them. You know? The people, those people, that, like like you said, those those fans that they created, like it's a real, real ass thing to those people. When you meet a Kiss fan, they're like a, a real ass Kiss fan, you know? Like, the same reverence, but on a different right. level. I've seen them three times. <laughs> more like 33 I, I mean for me like 
you know, the thing that I that I worry about, because you know, because like rock music is like my favorite kind of music. It's the music that I like I grew up with, and it's what I care the most about. And like, it, brother. yes, and like I didn't necessarily want to turn this into like a. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Say, yeah. say whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, bitch, yeah, I didn't want to turn it into like a, like a, celebrate a new band type thing. Like, sure, yeah, no. I, there's a lot of. I mean, because like I love. There's, there's a, I feel like I discover new bands every day that I like. I mean, there's tons of great bands. I don't oh. think that like the problem is that like there isn't great era. rock music being made. I think that there's great rock music being made every year. There's lots of great rock, rock records that have already come out this year. Like for me, the problem is that the ecosystem of rock, if you want to call it that, is not. It's, it's out of balance. Yes. You know, yes. And, and and this kind of goes back to what you were saying before about how you're trying to get people to read the series and they would automatically. Yeah. It wasn't. I want to read it. You could, yeah, it, was it wasn't like, like a top ten list of things that they think are already awesome. Like, right? It's like no. It's right. an examination of like why these things that may or may not have been like hacky worked. You Which know? is that's part of the problem. The world. Like, people, people are like locked okay. into this idea of like circles, like the stuff you already have, like you stuff you already locked into. Uh, it pushes outside things out that that are not well, like, that are new. Well, and uh, you know, I always get upset with people who like want to, who will, you know, who like rock music, but they will like shit on bands like the Foo Fighters or something, or um, I don't know any other kind of like popular rock band like that. And I understand, like, you may not like the Foo Fighters as a band, you may not like their records, but these guys. I think like if you're a rock fan, you you want to <laughs> you want a band like that that gets on the radio. That is, I mean, because like the Foo Fighters, they definitely have a lineage that. Like if like if a kid yeah definitely heard the Foo Fighters on the radio you can listen, you can listen to Foo Fighters it's very it's a very easy jump from Foo Fighters to Nirvana sure and once you listen to Nirvana that is a gateway to lots of other stuff that's it's really good and, 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 and like it or not like there needs to be bands like that for sure in for order sure. for new bands to be made I mean like I I don't know how old you guys are I mean I'm I'm 35 so wow when I first when I first started getting into like, are you guys, like, how, we're, we're right in your same we're, range. We're, yeah, yeah, we're right in the same I'm, range. I'm the youngest. That's I'm fine. 32. So I, 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 mean, I feel like yeah, I'm 35 as well. Like nowadays, like when people talk about music, everyone wants to pretend that they were into the coolest shit like right away. Oh, like, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, no, you. I mean, like, look, the first music I ever like, you know, like when I was eight or nine years old, like the first tapes I bought, I bought like Fine Young Cannibals. I bought. You didn't know. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah it's but like then, you didn't necessarily you know, know you didn't have like the, the gateway drug to bring you to yeah. like you know but you're, like you're saying, those became gateway drugs, you know? But then it was like Nirvana was on M T V and yep. Pearl Jam was on M T V and I was you know, I and I discovered like U two and R E M and bands like that and they, bands that were very accessible that like you didn't have to have insider knowledge to discover they were just on the radio and they were on MTV and you heard those bands and then you would read interviews with them and they would mention other people and right. then you would listen to those people and then before you know it you're on this journey and you're discovering all this cool. stuff down the rabbit hole uh, a, friend, and, a friend of mine recently just mentioned it that you know it used to be the era that you could like look at the, the thank you list for a record and like you could just like Check out oh, yeah, all those, bands and, all those and, like, and you'd find all these amazing yeah. Yeah, acts, exactly. you know? And, like, it's almost like that's become, like, a lost thing in today's age. Yeah, I mean, I think we, like, I think we think that, you know, because it's the internet age and, well, you know, kids can just go on the internet and they can find all this stuff. And obviously that's true to some degree, but, like, a lot of people still discover music because, like, a band played on the Grammys, you know? Totally. Or because a band played on a talk show. 
you know, Mumford Dinosaur Jr. and right Jenny now. Jones, for instance. Were <laughs> 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 they on wow. Jenny Jones? Yeah, saw, Dinosaur Jr. was on Jenny Jones, like way back in the day. And when asked, like, well, why did that happen? He's like, oh, I like the show. <laughs> Which I thought was amazing. I perfect, was like, great. perfect, like distant Jay Maskus <laughs> detachment yeah. answer. Just yeah, like, I like her show. I watch it at home. <laughs> Reverend Norb from Boris the Sprinkler was a guest on Jenny Jones as well. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that, but like, wasn't he? It's on YouTube. Was he himself? What's that? Like, was it as himself? Did he go as himself, or did, didn't he like pose as somebody, or did he go as himself? Oh no, he was himself, like- but he was on a show about. Uh, it was like a secret admirer show, and it was like some like eighteen or nineteen year old girl that had like a this like old punk rock girl that had a crush on Reverend Norb. Oh, and they wow. brought him out, and he did his whole crazy thing with the deer antler helmet and the uh, whatever like I white white leather thing. jacket. I have no <laughs> idea what you guys are talking. Mouse about. and I, being not Wisconsin people, are like, it's wait, a, what? It's a whole thing. You guys, YouTube, YouTube, Reverend Norb, Jenny Jones, and you'll you'll okay. you'll get it. It'll be, it'll be good visual radio for you. I could be totally misremembering this, but I feel like there was this thing in the '90s, like where people would try to trick Jenny Jones and get booked on the show. Like they would, be, <laughs> like they would pretend that they, like you know, fathered a kid out of wedlock or something. Yeah, and yeah. And and that, then, like I feel like that happened like more than once. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but I feel like that. I feel like Jenny Jones was victimized as more the, often. Than as other the non-Jenny Jones aficionado <laughs> here, I will say that I'm not sure. You know, I don't. Well, and the Jerry Springer just owned it. He was just like, "All right, whatever. I don't care yeah, if it's totally. real or not. Just, it's, own it. just, just do your thing. Just do your thing and." People are watching. It's cool. If a fight breaks out, it was hey, funnier. <laughs> it was like funnier to do it to Jenny Jones, I think, because like Jerry Springer was like leaning into popular. it. Popular, like Jenny yeah. Jones yeah. was like a low rent. Like, was she like a stand-up comedian or something? Like, what was her? Like, how did I she, believe she may have been. I think she might have been on Star Search at one point. I'm almost sorry for like sort of threadjacking this excellent conversation about Jenny Jones because you don't really know that much, that much about her. <laughs> Yeah, but like, are we, are so we have you on it. Like, I'm so excited. It's, 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 it's a free form discussion. The fact, the fact that we're talking about Jenny Jones right now in this podcast is like the best thing that's happened to Jenny Jones in like 10 years. I mean, like, who <laughs> been talking about? Totally. Her, her, like, uh, her DVD sets are going to go through the roof based on the, the, sig- gonna, like, the, the you can't stop the signal bump. <laughs> this is going to kickstart like the Jenny Jones. Like, it's going to be like kind of ironic to name check her. It'll be kind of like hip. And then it'll be turned into like a genuine appreciation, and then she'll get her own show. And totally. Like, and then she'll, know, she'll be back, like, all up Betty White or something, but, you know, like, in a very. <laughs> I don't think she was famous enough in the first place. I don't know. I think there's enough. I mean, because there is that idea of familiarity. Bullshit. And she's famous enough. There's this idea of familiarity, and it being something that not necessarily something you're really into, or I really admire this person, but oh, I'm really familiar with them. I watch it all the time. It's like. Oh, Monk. I yeah, Monk. That I know that show. Is that your favorite yeah, show? I feel no, like, but it, I know that like a, show. Like a third, like a third-rate talk show host in the '90s is more famous than like 90% of celebrities like these days. You know, I guess just because ever there, the just because the there's was. so much, so much more fractured. Yeah, totally. yeah. Like, like there were still yeah, like twelve. Jo- like, like you can name check Jenny Jones or Sally Jesse Raphael, and like people, are, oh yeah, I know her. But like, if you Donahue. like how many like like late night talk show hosts can you name or like have you ever seen like more than once you know totally. I mean there's like, tons of you know so I don't know but hmm. a- anyway oh, sorry I took this way off track there. a fragmentation <laughs> <laughs> I mean back on track somewhat there's a very fragmented Jones. thing now what's up it is yeah it's a fragmented world that we live in there's a lot of you know there's more entertainment options than ever there's I mean you aren't just and they're com- nichier and this is rain theme in our show as well is that you know you're not just competing 
as a band, you're not just competing with uh, what came out that week. You're com- competing against all music of that, all time. Of all time. Yeah. As well as Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and Facebook and you know uh, whatever it's just yeah back in the times you'd go buy a record or a CD and be like this I'm gonna listen to this like 25 times this week you but know, then you also have situations like because uh, we you know on our alter ego we are a rock and roll band and we played this this amazing festival in Marquette Michigan and to, to be clear we're a Bay Area San Francisco Oakland and uh, we played this amazing festival that we talked about in one of the episodes but and we still ran into like oh here's like the local band that is from Marquette and they're great and they yeah, totally like th- that would ban- that's a band that which would is not tit. which it is tit yeah. yeah which is tit and they would not have existed have, were they from Brooklyn you know or they wouldn't have existed in that way they had that local flavor and color and just like that 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 kind of like nervous energy yeah, it wouldn't have been you the same get band. from just being yeah. like where the fuck this who the what weird backwater what the fuck this is great you know like it's what is this this is great that's a good thing you know i feel like one uh you know one thing that happened to indie music in the 2000s is that like everyone decided to move to, to brooklyn and you know you didn't have this thing where you know, you had a scene in Athens and you had a scene in, you know, in like far flung places across yeah, everywhere, the country. Yeah. I mean, like, you, I, I remember, like, we're really going to get into Wisconsin right now, but, like, I remember. Let's like, go all the way down, bro. The 2000s, you know, there was, like, a big Green Bay scene, you know, because yeah, they had the say pro- there. I'm a product. And, like, and, uh, that's where Evan is from. Yeah, that's actually, uh, so. Yeah, I mean, there were tons of just, like, great rock and roll bands coming out of. Green Bay and like yeah we played was, there recently it was not not a hotbed of, <laughs> of any no Green Bay sadly. you know Green Bay is a it, it is, good I burger mean, obviously love the Packers we, did go, we went to Kroll's East I, and that was excellent yeah but okay that was um, that was the highlight. I'm, I'm from I'm from Appleton, actually. Yeah, we've totally we've we've actually met before. I'm friends with the Hi-Fi dudes. I used to play in uh, Death and Taxes. I think was probably the band I would have oh, been right at the time that we would have okay. met. I think did did shows in Oshkosh at a house like what the La Resistance house. I think you might have been over. Oh yeah, that might have been the first time I for those guys. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, you were doing guys. That would have been like early two thousand. I mean, like two thousand one. Maybe? Probably, yeah. Say to uh to give your wow. the 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 path, yeah. You were writing for music for just like the local paper, right? For the Appleton paper was your yeah 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 sort of like your yeah, your yeah. first kind of thing that you were doing and writing about weird totally. underground shows that were going on in Northeast Wisconsin at the time, which is again probably not as cool <laughs> now as it was then, but it was actually pretty cool then. And yeah, uh, and and I, I think you know the way and, and you know we talk about how things are fragmented now, and I mean I think by and large you know the the media. You know, the, the decentralization of media has been a good thing. I mean, obviously oh. having more choices for sure, for sure. Is, is, is a better thing. And now I think you can, you don't have to live in like New York necessarily to, to get known, you know? And actually I would, I, I would think, I would argue that at this point, I may have a hindrance because it's so oversaturated that there now. And I think there's a sense that like a lot of stuff that's come out of there is a little tired. Yeah, or, or like lacking the innovation. I, I mean, I would maybe totally from, encourage a band to yeah. like be like, "Hey, just stay where you are." I mean, and I know that's hard. I mean, you know, maybe if you're in upper, if you're if you're, upper, if you're in Upper Michigan and you're not touring, you know, you're not going to make any money. I'm sure, yeah. but like, yeah, um, I like <laughs> the idea. That's but, right, you know, bro. I like the idea <laughs> bands living where they don't move to the trendy place. I mean, I I just feel like that explains why things end up. Kind of sounding, you know, homogeneous after a while. Yeah. Same influences over and over again. And well, and it, interesting. and it becomes like the more banal part of that, which is this 
competition complex too. And it's like, it's the, I think the best music is made when the idea of it being any kind of competition is taken out of the picture. You're just sort of adding to like this, you know, this totally. booyah base, you which know, is such a soup. small town, local bandy kind of thing. Like, it, right. you know, like you go to like, you know, major metropolitan areas and everybody's like trying to like do the, you know, like, ah, like fuck that band. They're trying to ride my nuts or, you know, like, Yo, or, they got or, this or, show. or we're going to ride that fucking band's nuts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like fuck it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> a lot of nut riding. As long as there's a lot nut riding, of nut riding yeah. both going directions. Metropolitan. That's how we do it here. Yeah, no, but you know, like what I'm saying like though is like, when you're one of four rock bands in the area, you're always cool to the next rock band. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're gonna have to book. What else together, are you gonna do? It's a you small all the like, time, town, yeah. and uh, you're not gonna, well, really gonna be, you're not gonna be able to avoid each other, <laughs> even if you wanted to. Well, I, I mean, I, I I apply this to like what I do. I'm obviously not a band. I'm a writer, but like a lot of writers, or you know, a lot of culture writers that live in New York, and right. read their stuff. It's a lot of it is the same, and they're kind of writing from that perspective of like a young creative type living in New York City. Totally. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of reading about young creative types in yes. New York City. I mean, yeah, totally. So yes. much of that. It's like, why not about the? What about you know people in the Midwest? You know, we have a perspective, we have a point of, you know point of view. I feel like I have a certain lifestyle because of where I live that isn't that, that kind of maybe gives me a different take on well, things sometimes. And someone who is living in a you know in a building in the most you know populous city in the country you know I, and I and I think because of the internet you know you you can get noticed without moving to like these media saturated totally. places you can well, I feel like people as long as you have something to say and you have a voice you can be heard and I, I think that's a good thing I mean you know again like yeah, for you sure. don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm personally I'm just sick of New York I'm sick of hearing about <laughs> it. I mean like I like the show girls it's all right if like, you like oh, saxophones I've heard uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and pianos exactly. New York, sorry, I feel like sax ones. No, but like, for, I, uh, like I feel like, like a lot like of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, like show but, girls that. Yeah. But it's yeah, like totally. another show about like young people in New York. It's hey, like, great! You know, yeah, 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 awesome. great. We're doing this. Yeah. And the reason why those shows get made is that the people who approve those shows <laughs> can live in New York. Them. It's something they yeah. can relate yeah, to, and exactly. they can't really relate to a person who comes from maybe from a different part of the country, a different experience. Well, it's, I feel like that's a place where they, they feel like culture is quote unquote created, you know, like, like that's right. like, this is, but it's, it's nice to hear about how culture is being assimilated. You know what I mean? Like, like how it's actually like, Oh, like it, it like, yeah, all the big, like major, like, you know, like money is here and all like all this, like, yeah, there's a thousand fucking writers writing about this, but it's interesting to like, see how like the rest of America like eats it up and like how they like take take it you know what I mean like how they're like yeah cause oh, just cause it's thrown out there it doesn't mean people are taking it yeah exactly, exactly at face value it's interesting to, to and get, there is like, a I actually like, think like, 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 like I was going to say, there's a cultural to arrogance like a to New York, too. Sorry. So it's, uh, we talk to each other all the time, so it's a bad habit. We're trying to stop it, but we're doing it to you. But there's a cultural arrogance to New York, and I love New York, but like it's part of what makes New York charming most of the time, and when it's not charming, it's annoying as hell. But there is a cultural arrogance that is like, we are dictating the culture you guys are following, and that I don't, is a bummer. I don't find it charming, personally. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I look, like, New York City is great. Like I don't want to just be you know ripping on New York, but like, I don't find that charming and I think it's I think it's outmoded I mean you had this thing in the 2000s like where if you'd read Spin Magazine or Rolling Stone they'd be covering like events in New York City right in clubs that like right, obviously if you, totally. if you live in Omaha Nebraska like who gives a fuck like I wish you to do with your life I'm moving to New York that's where all this shit happens you know I don't care what's going on in a club you know totally. like to me, I don't know. There should it, be a ver- I, I, say, I like the idea that there should be a version of good that's not regional. You know, just like I mean, 
a way I'll to cover things in a writer. way that's not that's not catering that's not pandering i guess to any specific micro demographic but yeah the example of the early 2000s when when like it was the strokes and everyone else from from there just like the, tuesday night show getting covered as if it was like a huge cultural like event madison will, square yeah, garden yeah, exactly. right and and, and and the implication with that is always that like this is a club that you aren't cool enough to be a member of. Right. And I hate exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. It's better, better, better like, like My number it. one yeah. type of the number one thing that will turn me off when I'm reading music writing or any kind of culture writing is when the writer puts himself or herself on the inside of something and is looking out at the audience and is making the audience feel bad that they're not on the inside. Right. It's one yeah, thing to be on the inside yeah. and to open the door and to totally. say, come on in. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you into this and I'm going to, yeah, that's good writing. That's, that's, it's, a, it's another to like to to put yourself above the audience and to make them feel bad that they don't get it either because totally. you're referencing things that they haven't heard of and you're making them feel bad that that they haven't heard of it yet, or because you live in a certain place where things happen where it may not be in their town, and that's why you're making them feel bad. I think that's one thing like I've always kind of resisted in my own writing is that I I want to be the person who wasn't cool enough to get in those places, you know? And, like, present that point of view, because I feel like that is more relatable for a lot of people. Well, and 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 that that actually ties back into Winter's History of Rock and Roll, and, like, they being, like, history being actually written by the outsiders. As much as the Velvet Underground's a great band, it's like, oh, those are all the cool kids. It's actually what was happening in, like, you know... The Northeast Wisconsin in the early 2000s that was the, really the scene that, like, you know, like, or, right. or whatever. You know, like, say, which like, was a lot of fun and it had, it has no, its own you know history I mean? like, that doesn't exist to the outside right world. Right now we're reading about all this you bullshit, wouldn't expect but, it to. like, you know, in 20 years we're going to talk writing about, you know, the, this band in fucking Omaha that was, like, yeah. or, like, or the middle of fucking nowhere, like, you know, like, Montana that was, oh, this was the scene, you know, like. Yeah, and it, that that becomes almost you, you can go back to it and sort of revise history and say like, oh well, we always knew that the Velvet Underground were great. No, they were treated like dicks at the time too. And they they the way they got <laughs> right. through that is that they had their own little club of Andy Warhol like, like of smart people, people and, smart people yeah. that were you know they and they stuck together and they had their thing and that eventually that became the cool and that became like oh that's the beginning of punk rock and this and that and I love all that stuff. It's an important part of my identity. But there is a certain amount of like uh, okay, if you read, please kill me. You read. All these stories like firsthand from you know sterling morrison and uh, you know lou reed and whatnot everyone telling it in their own words i'm like wow i think i would think you guys were dicks if i was there oh for sure there's definitely <laughs> some times where you're like oh this was these this was your scene i wouldn't have hung out with you guys but thanks for the records you know <laughs> yeah thanks for the great music yeah. i mean that's that that part's great <laughs> But it, it ties back into that same thing you're talking about now, about it just being, you know, all right, there's this, oh, you know, we're the New York people and we're going to tell you what's cool and this and that. I don't know, man. I don't I don't think that that's, uh, I don't think that's where culture grows necessarily is from this I, idea of, of exclusion. Right. Well, and, and I'll say this too about like music listening and, and you guys live in Oakland, so you probably, you know, you might be able to relate to this, but being able to listen to music in a car while you're driving uh, you know, like in the country or with like great scenery, that is a big deal. Yes. In terms of like the music you might like or how you perceive a certain record. Yeah, and like, this, I, mean, I think there's writers in New York, they're not listening to music that way. They're not listening no, to music in no. the car. Like, wow. like for me, I never thought that about is the that. best true, place true. to yeah. listen to a music. Like, like listening to music in a car, that is my favorite place. And there's been a lot of records that I didn't necessarily like that once I played it in a car really loud. You get it, yeah. Yeah, totally. it made a difference. And like, if you're listening to music on headphones on subways, 
I think you might prefer certain kinds of records over other kinds of records. Like that, that rewards live, a very, yeah, like kind of nuance, nuance filled, but maybe like, I'm going to skip all this, like kind of, uh, you know, the, the prettiness of things will kind of come through a little more and that maybe it will, uh, the, the pitchforkization, uh, being pitchfork being the, uh, the brand necessarily of, of, you know, the Bon Ivar. Is that how you say that fucker's name? I don't even know. Bon, 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 I don't fucking know. Bon, I don't like it. Bon, I'm sorry. Bon, I, don't know. I think it's Fleet pronounced, Foxes, it's pronounced like Boner Stabone. Boner Stabone. Checkoff son. <laughs> Boner Stabone. Yeah, indeed. Uh, no, known I, as Richard to his parents. It's headphone music, and that's totally, I never even thought about that. But that's, I yeah, that's like playing music in the vehicle and like cranking it up. Like that's actually like a intrinsic that's interesting because Conan is the driver and I am the public transit guy, yeah, totally, and it totally it makes a difference. There's shit I don't really think to listen to. I don't yeah, listen totally to I don't listen to Thin Lizzy on Bart, you know. But I would in a car if I was driving it. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But well, I, mean, right. I listen to it at yeah. home. Yeah, I mean, but I that's think the most forms of like, like, like hard rock and metal, like, is car music. I mean, if you can, you got to totally. be able and totally. and if it's not a car, like at least like if you can have your own house where you can play. Like if you don't live in an apartment, live in a house where you can actually play records like loud. Crank it I mean, up, that yeah. makes a difference. I mean, I, I think environment is like a highly underrated. No, no, like it's uh, funny that you say that because factor I was... in how people like what kind of records you like. I think if you live in, in the south and things are sunny and like you're, sure. you know, and if you're going like like if you're going pontoon boating, you know, like, like <laughs> you want to hear some banjos. Like I I want to hear some Alabama. It's gonna fit. Yeah, right. Yeah, the Jack Brown band. Like, I don't know if you've listened to Jack Brown band before, but like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I wrote about that in the summer, and like you know. It's, they have some pretty cool oh, yeah, I read that. songs. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally like, read that. If I you're heard in a cabin so. or you're in a pontoon boat and you're like just hanging out, like, that's the kind of shit you want to hear. It you know, like, sense. It, it, it goes sense. down easily. Well, it's, it's so, interesting that, like, because I, I, uh, I'm from Alaska and I'll go back and visit, and that's where I, I actually have my drive time because I have to drive around. And what my. What I listen to, like, while I'm driving around is a totally different, like, like, I live, you know, here in Oakland. We podcast from my living room where I have, like, 10 feet by four feet of just straight vinyl, you know, like in a nice hi-fi, you know, like, and what I listen to in my living room compared to what I'm, what I want to listen to while I'm driving around, or even like you say, like in my earbuds, it's, it's interesting. Like it, it is totally a very varied landscape, you know, like it's, and if that's your only delivery mechanism for, you know, like, like, like you say, like, it's just like people are listening to it in their car all the time. Like, and that's, that's how they listen to music. It's yeah. They're going to definitely listen to like a certain kind of music. It's, it's, right. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that goes for all kinds of behaviors. You know, like when you go to different regions and people have these weird little ticks. I totally. mean, they're based on the environment. They're not random per se. The way that those things evolve. And it's weird to think about the idea of like you know music before the Walkman and before not before the iPad, uh, iPad, iPod before the before the Walkman before you could even listen to music other than on the radio, like moving, right? Like walking around, like that was like a concept. Like you had to like. Music was an active process. You sat down to listen to it. You, totally. You know. Right. You were making choices. Yeah. Active. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to flip this. I'm going to put this on next. Right. Whereas it just it just happens to you pretty much. You just sit back and take it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, we, you know, we talk about like the Green Bay music scene, like early 90s, 2000s. Like, like when I think about those bands, they seem very like Green Bay to me. You know, this idea of like we are we are in a no-bullshit place. It's a blue-collar place. Like, if we're going out on a weekend, we want loud music that has some kind of, like, traditional element to it, but at the same time, is really loud and aggressive. Yeah, people tried like, all kinds of ridiculous shit, too. And and it, there was a nice... It was a forum for it to just do ridiculous shit. And there was almost... Like, there was almost a pressure to not 
do anything too normal in a way that was uh, specific to the place and and just to the the venue and the people booking it as well to a degree. It seemed like like all the bands that I would see anyway always had an aggressive element to it. There wasn't like any like you know mandy pandy like you know like wimpy type music. Like it was even if it was weird, there was always like something that was kind of confrontational about it or like loud or like, oh, like yeah. visceral. Indeed, yeah. So I was in a band called Paris at two AM and that was the band that sort of did the best while I was there. And we yeah, we were known oh, yeah. for, we were known for kicking the shit out of each other. There was definitely a time <laughs> where we got into a fight with another band while we were playing. Like <laughs> as in like guitars being pulled out from like a pile of people but, know, and like, stuff. And right. uh, and that's not the way I approach anything now How but i think it was i think it was largely environmental you know like i live yeah, on, i, say, I like, live in yeah, san francisco i live a pretty uh you know i don't drive i'm a, a barista but you know like i i'm pretty laid back at this point these things well and that's also what sort of happened too. like i remember like you talk about like the high five i remember going to see them and they would be like you know slamming into each other and like you know being still like, like that, that by the way stage. And it, but, yeah but then you talk to them off stage and they're these huge nerds you know like oh yeah totally yeah. nice mild-mannered people um you know i mean that's kind of like a wisconsin duality you know i mean people are going to be nice in conversation but then there's like this other side that will like, like we're nice yeah, people then, I mean, then, we'll go out, then we'll go out and hunt and like blow deer away you know? exactly like, everyone has just like weird releases right. for stuff and if you weren't into like going out and drinking beer and shooting guns yeah, in the woods, you could play in a band, but like people express different things through music. But really, the only thing that was acceptable to express was was something between, uh, yeah, like just anger and sarcasm. Like that was the, 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 a very narrow window of things that you were allowed to be. But they were great things to express. Sure, and it was, yeah, it was just like a, a venting of frustration. But whether it was aggressive or whether it was just dismissive, or you know. Blatant, well, and, blatantly and mean. Like, it's I mean, funny that you like talk about this. Like, 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 I live in Milwaukee now, and I feel like here in Milwaukee, uh, whenever, like, like, like the latest like, kind of indie, like, popular, like, indie band of the month comes to town, there's always, like, this large contingent of a local community, music community that is very arms, arms folded about it. Like, they'll automatically. But not passively, like actively arms folded about it. Like, hey, look at me folding my arms. Right. About right. This. When really it could just be like, oh, there's a show and I don't care about it. Like, I'm not going to post anything about this. But like sometimes like great bands end up getting thrown out with that just because like, a certain website might like them. Like, well, they're actually sure. a great band, but like, no, fuck this band. They're a fashionable band. I'm not into it. Dismissal so like, by association, uh, almost. Right. Like just so, a fear of that's a, what, a dismissal of anything that's successful of its own accord. Totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean, let's, <laughs> well, let's call, let's call it what yeah, it is. Just, it's just fucking blatant, just jealousy, just barely under the surface, you know. Of well, uh, yeah, but like, well, there, I, you know, I, I do think that. It's just a very anti, like fashion, anti posturing type of place. Like you, anything. Yeah, it's, it's, di- it's a very different vibe than than Green Bay, as cause I lived there for like six years, also. But uh, there's also extremely, extremely blue collar, extremely, uh, extremely working class, and the, the tolerant of a different kind of bullshit. You can be mainstream and be from Milwaukee, but uh, right. there's just diff- your scenes will never interact. You know. 
<laughs> like, if, right. yeah, I mean, you can be doing I mean, something ridiculous in a basement, or there could be this very mainstream. Well, that's kind of like, on, but it's a big you, enough place that you don't have to rub elbows. To uh, to bring it back to your your history, your winning history of rock and roll, like it's it's kind of like what you say. Like all of those bands were people that were able to like like everybody embraced in a weird way, you know, like, and that's what made them part of this, this list of, you know, like, like everybody's like, they were able to like reach into these far places. Trans- right. Yeah, and I say, and it's sort of, the, the series is, yeah, it like, really like, examines like why, the why of like people yeah. latching on to stuff. Like there's a great example in the Bon Jovi one about, uh, the idea of like, oh, it's such a simple idea and someone had to be like the first one to do it, but this is what it was, you know, of like shooting the video that looks like a packed arena show <laughs> with like hot women and like dudes are into it and like it's like the biggest show in town, but it wasn't. It was just like staged at like one in the <laughs> right, afternoon. It was totally false. At like, yeah. you know, with a bunch of extras but then, or whatever. But then by the, by the time the band would come to your town, it actually would become... It, actually really say, it was like this right, amazing yeah, yeah, self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy kind of propaganda. It totally worked. And it worked, I mean, which is amazing. And somebody had to be the first ones to do it, and it was it was it was them. And that's like I didn't realize Kiss had uh, done the the model for uh, you know, like touring touring a record. You know, like that's like yeah, yeah somebody, like somebody being, had like, to build, fucking do building, it, you know, building like, it around that. I mean, and the, yeah, certainly you can look at the punk rock models and and, and look at that as well. But yeah, that was that's how they. Yeah, they built their loyalty by going to places and be like, oh, you know that you're going to see the Kiss show, which is going to have. You know, these songs that you think are kick-ass because, you know, we came by and, like, you know, shot rockets out of the guitars and <laughs> stuff exploded. And there was, like, you know, it wasn't just, like, a pack of dudes that, like, were, were standing around looking like dudes. It's like, oh, that one looks like a monster. That one looks like um, a, the, a demon. That one, you know. that's a fancy cat. That one looks like a cat. Okay, maybe not that one. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not so cool with the cat. <laughs> but, yeah. It, no, no. That's oh, look at this, really. The characters are like, you have the Star Child, and you have the Demon, yeah. and then you have Ace Frehley, the, the Space Man. Like, so that's yeah. pretty awesome if you're 11, but then yeah. Yeah, Peter Chris is the cat. <laughs> and that, and like, I read I read Peter Chris's book, and like <laughs> basically the idea was that like he was sitting like at a desk or something, and he saw a cat. Like, by the window. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, I'll be a cat. Fuck like, it. What? Like, really? Fuck it. That's, that's you know, like, awesome. This, you know? Peter Chris. Oh, Peter Chris. That dude got did a lot with very, very little. God bless him. <laughs> but y'all, you, yeah, that's true. You wow, also, that guy you, was you know, you not also, a great drummer, uh, not a great singer, but not a also, great songwriter. He's, like villain, he's the villain of his own book, too. Like, if you read it <laughs> really? more, he's totally this guy. That, he like, wants to be. That means he wasn't a villain at all. <laughs> I mean, well, he's like, he's like, it's, it's, like not, it's like reading this, it's like reading like, um, was it like Faulkner who would do that? Like the unreliable narrator, you know, like how the guy doesn't realize like how big of a, it's like the narrator doesn't realize that he's crazy or that he's like the bad guy. That's like the Peter Chris book that like, he doesn't realize that like, Oh yeah, I get really drunk and like I shoot guns and I scared my wife and then the (laughs) cops come, you know, and a SWAT team and then, you know, my wife and child are like, Crying and you know, and I get sent to jail. Bullshit. It's stupid. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, oh yeah, like why does this always happen to me? Like, why do I have such bad? Luck? <laughs> why do I have such bad? I was luck? just, <laughs> just shooting off my guns. They called the fucking cops. <laughs> what are the odds the cops were going to show up? Dickhead name. And it's like, cause you're a horrible person. You're a horrible dad. You're a horrible like husband. You know, like you deserved everything that happened to you. Yeah, you know? like everything bad. You know, but <laughs> you saying um, bad? You know. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we're talking about this fragmentation. Like, one thing, and I don't know, I was curious to your guys' take on this, is that, like, one thing that's depressing to me 
um, is uh, is about rock radio, and obviously rock uh, radio is depressing yes, for a lot of reasons. Right. But like, but like, what's happened to rock music? I think is like, like if you look at like hip hop, I feel like most underground like hip hop heads, you know, people who only listen to stuff that is like really obscure. You know, you would acknowledge that like Jay Z is a great rapper, or, like or that right. Kanye totally. West is like a great producer. But like in rock music, you know, like a rock station can't play Nickelback and then play, um, you know, like like a Deer Hunter song or something. Like they, they could never get away with that because no. the Nickelback fans would hate the Deer Hunter song, and the Deer Hunter fans would hate the Nickelback song, and then they would hate both bands. Yeah, it's so genre. But then they never listen to that. Sure, and, like, and then, then I, just I, I, no one's listening to your station, and then and like, you're out of business. And, yeah. and like, you are it, it, it's just, in 2013. It's just like, like you can say you like rock music, and another person can say he likes rock music, and it's oh, like and you won't, you won't get along. Of, yeah, like you can have someone that's like, no, oh, my favorite, no my favorite band, all. my favorite band is Torch, and then like someone's like, oh, well, how about the Black Keys? Oh, fuck the Black Keys, it's a bunch of bullshit. Blah well, blah blah. You know, well, it's something you you wrote about too. Like it was like you know like that like there's it. There was always these unifying factors, and like, and the, and the fact that like people have really, but the marginalization is what's really like, like we're talking about the fractionalization of like all of the scenes and the subgenre and the subgenre of that subgenre and then the subgenre of those fucking five fucking subgenres and, right. and, and like, and and it's almost like you know like like you like like you're writing like we like that I'd like to have hope for rock you know like I fucking love rock that's where I come from but like what's going to be that unifying factor that puts it back on the map you know like that literally that will bring in like the the pop culture nerds you know like it is is there a room for that in this you know like this super would people notice if it happens super fractionalized yeah exactly is it is it going to be something that people could would actually latch onto now or is it going to you know like oh put it out now and maybe hopefully in 20 years they'll they'll write about it you know like is it you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what's going to be that unifying factor that oh, actually, I like, don't know. Yeah. you know, like, like really, like, yeah, I mean, of course, like, I mean, if we did it, we'd, mm-hmm. uh, we as a rock band would have done we, it by now. You know, like, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I got to say that, like, I think if that's going to happen, um, it's going to be a, a country guy. It's going to be a country who sounds like a rock guy. Really? I mean, I really think that country music is like the, is, is mainstream rock music. So there you so, go. So you, like, it's like chapter a, eight. No, there are country people, there are country people who sound... Like so the, chapter eight's going to be Mumford and Sons is what you're saying. Who sounds like John Mellencamp in the 80s, you know? Like, oh, really? like there's no yeah, John Mellencamp now. It's true, there's like, no. like, if John Mellencamp came up now, he would be a country He singer, would be country. You know, and like... And, like, yeah. or, or like and it would just be produced a little different. Well, and it's sort of like you mentioned... It's produced differently, but like, you know, like, like Born in the USA, like, I mean, how slick is that produced, you know? Right. Like, it, I mean, that that's like, but that was made for the radio. It was oh, this absolutely. idea that, like, well, we're going to compete and in the with 80s, Madonna and Michael Jackson. Gonna, yeah, and I just don't think that there's a band, there aren't many rock bands that are interested in making that kind of record. Like, you know? capturing I, I, the heart of the proletariat, almost. Because, I mean, when you talk about, when everyone talks about trends and music buying and whatnot, they always talk about, oh, Country music still sells a lot of CDs. The most CDs that are sold are country music, and it's predominantly done through places like Walmart and like these big box retailers and things like that. And it's like all these things, but it's it's the country that's this crossover country, this quote unquote you know young country that's uh, you know it, it's pop as well. Like it's got like this pop appeal that goes beyond. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pop with like the twang. Yeah. But like they but they look and they sound like rock bands from the eighties. I mean, like totally. a lot of the big totally. country guys. Like, like the arena. I've said country, that more like, than like, once. Like, said, like, yeah. like, like yeah. I've seen Toby Keith three times in concert because I had to review concerts <laughs> when I worked at the Post Crescent in Appleton. Wow. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll, you know, 
say this for Toby Keith. Like, the guy, I, I would actually defend, like, a fair number of his songs. I think he's actually written, like, some pretty decent songs. He's written some huh. terrible songs. And the terrible <laughs> songs that. are the ones that get the most That part attention. we can agree with. I like, say, like, we've noticed like some of the really written, terrible ones. Because they've like Greg Peasby has written a lot of good songs. But, like, but then he writes Accidental Racist, which is a horrible song. And that's <laughs> yeah, the see, one that, that, that people talk about. I sat there with but that look on my face. He's written some good songs. good tunes, you know, like he's been like, and he's a good guitar player. Like you, you listen to his records, there's like guitar solos on his songs. I mean, you know, he's a good guitar player. He writes some good tunes, but you know, he shouldn't he doesn't write songs with LL Cool J. You know, that, that was a mistake. That was a horrible mistake. <laughs> oh man. But it also will uh, live in infamy. It's gonna yeah, it'll live in infamy for all people time. talking about him, which almost is all you need. But, now. But, but, and I will give this to Brad Paisley. Like Brad Paisley, at least tried. He failed, but he tried to address issues of race and class sure. in America. Yeah. And when was the last time a rock band did that? Like, right. when was the last uh, time that sure. a rock band, or indie rock band, had the balls Judgment to go night. outside of its audience <laughs> and to try to, like, you know, you totally. know, address something like that? I mean, like, like, like I mean, the, like, you know, the issue of, you know, like, class issues in indie rock, I mean, that is a huge thing that is ignored. I like, completely No agree. one ever talks about that. Yeah. And, and yeah, Which is actually like, is, that's a terrible song, but he made an attempt at least that like most rock bands would never in a true. million years. It's, it's weird because like a lot of bands, it really is. Especially rock bands in 2013 really deal with those things. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's wow, class like, is all more of a, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's more of an issue than ever for, you know, the, the fan as well as a lot of times the bands as well. But there, I think there's this idea like, oh no, we can't sing about that because if we do, then, you know, we might piss off this elusive potential audience that probably doesn't <laughs> probably, give a shit about probably you at all. Really, yeah, just, uh, you'd be lucky to have <laughs> well, that because, like, a lot of the, like, too authentic. A lot of the bands like, come from privileged backgrounds, too. I mean, that's the yes! other thing. Is that, like, they, totally. don't, they don't necessarily come from a place where they can relate to that because, you know, and I'm sorry, like, I, and I'm not one of these people that says you have to be poor to be a great band. No, no, poor. not at all. No, but, like, no, I've, no. I've said the same but, thing. You know, it's, 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 it's like, does, it's, yeah, you get to the point where, and I come, you know, I come from a very working class, working poor background, and it's hard to say those kinds of things when you when you come from that area that you're like, well, I'm not just saying you suck if you're rich. I'm just saying that you don't understand certain things if you come from not ever having been told no or just, you know, not ever be like, no, I would like to do that for you, but you can't have that. Or no, you can't have like a brand new Gibson and Marshall amp and like drum set and like have your band and go tour the country because there's no money to do that. Yeah. We need you to work on the farm. No, it's you know? the kind of thing that'll make you just like, Pick up a random rare guitar from a stranger and just throw it in the air, you know. <laughs> or you know, I mean, I, think, I, Oof, I, mean, I think another nice class issue there. is that like, some, like, like there are people that do make records because they want to make money, they want to be rich because they came from nothing. You know, they don't have this mentality that like I make music for art, you know, because I can make music for art because I have something to fall back on. You know, I can yeah, totally. I can do this for a while and I know I have money behind me that or I have connections that will help me get a job. I mean there are a lot of people who, you know, and and this is one thing kind of winter history touched on that, you know, a lot of these bands like they had to they, they, they wanted to make money because they were poor. Yeah, yeah they it, grew it's up interesting how you can you can see that too in the bands that like become successful. You know, like like they're like, oh they're not hungry anymore. <laughs> like those guys aren't hungry. They're right. like totally like you know what I mean? Like in like the change. I don't know if you're a Bob Marley fan, but I'm a Bob Marley. And like you there's yeah, those first few records where he's really hungry, you're like, Oh wow, these are fucking tight ass records. And then the last latter few are like, Oh, he's fed. 
You know, he's, <laughs> he's happy. He's just, oh, his, his life's pretty good now. Yeah, his life's good, and he's making some. You know, like like yeah. look at Paul McCartney. Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's even a bad reference, sorry. But yeah, any number of fucking musical acts over the years that have like like ah uh, like put out some of their. How best about shirt, Aerosmith? Really. There you go. There you go. I mean, the Aerosmith. And- well, and, or or look at most rappers. I mean, like most rappers come from backgrounds like where it's like, hey, this was, I, I, you know, I'm getting into music because this is like how I can make money. This is how I can make a career. And if I how don't get out of the ghetto here, then I can't. I'm not going to be able to make a living. And you know, it, it, you know, like if you talk about it, it, that mentality of like being successful being a bad thing, or like that's somehow a black mark against your artistic credibility like that I feel like hip hop even though it's been around for like more than 30 years it's still been able to avoid that I mean yeah, I feel totally. like the, well, the people yeah, that it, succeed are the ones who are off there's definitely a large chunk of it that embraces that that's, yeah, there, there's that's not that, sure. there's the not primary that aesthetic is like yeah, to get no, I'm the best. Look at how much money I've made. Yeah, doing and there's, this. there's that indie rock backlash of like, oh, well, they're successful, so it's not cool to like them. But also, that's that was suck, like, you know? like I don't know, like how uncultural sounds saying this, but that's part of its, its, you know, like it, that that's part of its synthesis, you know, like like that was like hip hop is rooted in that, like I'm getting out of this really bullshit situation by doing this and getting big on it, whereas like. It, it, that, that not so much in rock, you know what I mean? Like like rock is like I'm doing this because I'm like I don't know, like there's a weird. Yeah, like like it's it's it started set, out that way though. Yeah, like it did I mean, start I think, out that I way. Think, yeah. I mean, like you know, I was just saying like a like, lot of the early people like were not. I mean, like Elvis Presley or Chuck Berry. You know, these were not like you know they did not have silver spoons in their mouths growing up. I mean, they, it was the idea that you're getting into show business and you're going to be right. It was like it's, it's taking taking the form of. Dollars. It's taken the form of what it, yeah, you can do it, to be in, huge in, at the in time. In recent years, it's like yeah, being big is not like like there you go like like people won't don't like when we try and sell it or these guys have sold it on people like people won't like oh Bon Jovi fuck that you know like but but and or a lot of these brands embraced being huge you know like whereas in a lot of our right, rock right. culture it's not embraced it's at all or actively you know, like, and Bon Jovi like, himself was actually like, a little bit saying, like, a little bit hesitant to have it yeah foisted totally upon like, him, which and that's what I'm saying within hip hop culture that was within hip hop culture that was from the get go was all about like no being big is good you know like like being you know being the biggest yeah, fucking deal is actually a good well, thing what's what's the Chris Rock the swagger the it just hasn't you get big and then then you can spread the message hasn't had the same stigma that it has in rock in rock culture you know what I mean like it doesn't you know like it's it's part of like like oh yeah that's that's why I'm into hip hop because it's you know it's all about the you know having the biggest bling and like having the, you're know, like putting up that front whereas like in rock music it's coming from like oh I came from the, you know I'm, I'm really da- downtrodden you know like that's that's right. you know we're really in this the permanent victim almost. yeah the permanent, yeah so exactly, there's the a certain element of, of yeah of like tortured artist that, yeah, exactly. that, that, that lingers over rock more so than it would over and there hip-hop. you go like with the Aerosmith you know like that they that you know like they oh we have addictions yeah, you know, like mm, we go to rehab every three years we have a writing block to stay in the news yeah. <laughs> yeah that was amazing that was actually something that uh that i was in the Aerosmith chapter of winter's history of rock and roll that i was i was like oh my god because i didn't know that i actually knew a good deal about Aerosmith because that's one of those bands that before i got "Quote unquote into music." Like my parents would listen to Aerosmith, and I knew the old Aerosmith. They knew Rocks, Toys in the Attic, and uh, but oh, yeah. a, which is a bit of a rarity for our generation. It is to, and, to, it, to not be brought in at pump. Yeah, totally exactly. And the, the 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 fucked up thing was like, so I grew up with like parents that were actual rock and roll parents. They were really cool. They saw the Ramones at Winterland. They saw Led Zeppelin Day of the Green. Uh, oh wow! So yeah, like they were like. They were both the good and bad side of cool rock and roll parents, <laughs> and I'll let you fill in the blanks for that. 
but they, you know, I was listening to early Aerosmith. I was like, oh yeah, you know, this is cool. You know, like, you know, I, I know these songs. And then, but I never really, until I actually heard Nirvana, I never really heard music that was like, oh, this is kick ass and this is mine. This is like something that I really identify with. So then I was able to kind of go back to Aerosmith and then like listen to like, you know, Aerosmith that was starting to happen like right as they were having their, uh, in the big hits written by uh, uh, what do you call him? Desmond Child. Desmond Child, who's who, who a is prominent it? Yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah. He's prominent a re- recurring figure. character in your series. Yes, uh, he is. And, yes. and then be able to be like, this smells like bullshit. Like, and have even have like I had that frame of reference to know, like, no, I knew from early Aerosmith, even if I was only, you know, as interested as like, oh, this is the thing that my dad is into, you know, like, uh, and it's you know, it's cool, right on. That I was able to be like, oh. Hmm. Why does this seem different? There's something like these are the same guys, but it just seems different. But the thing that, that since I didn't have that frame of reference, the thing that I thought was oh, when you're a kid, it's hard to like understand. Like, and you kind of do. Like, I remember having the epiphany of like the first time I heard a real set of drums and being like, "What the shit? <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> this is what drums sound like." You know. But then also like the idea that like there, there's this there was this amorphous idea that Aerosmith and their their people and their handlers and their their staff had created of like. Oh, they had these other records that had happened in the past. And it was this idea of the past that, oh, it could have been like last year or two years ago. Not like 10, 12 years ago, you know, however long. I couldn't even tell you how long it actually was. And that's what made it so interesting when they entered that that second act of being the big preposterous arena rock act, which all the songs, you know, sounding like vaguely similar and Desmond Child produced more often than not. (laughs) But the idea of it being like them, like having that history rewritten for them was something I wasn't even really aware of that. I wouldn't have the critical thinking at the time to to know from that. Cause it was just, yeah. I was like, I mean, you were ahead of me at the time because permanent vacation was like the first Aerosmith album. As far as I was concerned, like that was their debut record. Like, (laughs) right. Exactly. It looks like a lady was like, or like actually the first song I ever heard, was probably like the Walk This Way remake with Run DMC. Run DMC, bringing it back to rap. And, and then and then, and then the Permanent Vacation record came out with like Dude Looks Like a Lady and Angel, and, and then Pump came out. And I'll defend Pump, actually. I think Pump is like actually a really good record. Other than that, like you can just stick with 70s Aerosmith and be okay. But um, yeah, they're, they're an interesting case. I mean, I, I think that, you know, and I picked them because I felt like they were a good example of like it's the same band but you can see how like a rock band how an archetypical rock band was in the 70s versus an archetypical rock band in the 80s and one band but they were two different they were both the archetypical 70s and archetypical 80s like two bands in one type type uh, situation yeah the whole thing with the rehab i think i mean I, i just thought that was a great metaphor yeah, or totally. rock music at that time that like, okay, you know, we're going to go to rehab and it's sort of like a, you know, or like even now, fuck, look at Green Day. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like, but then, you know, you can't write hits anymore. So then you're going to go to rehab again, you know, it's like, well, this worked before, you know, it's, it's like going to like a spa or something <laughs> or a car wash. Back to being the underdogs. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Aerosmith, they're still, still here. I mean, they put out a terrible record last oh, year. It's I don't know. Fucking atrocious. No, it's just, as, as a side note, and not not to make this about me or what I've done, but I actually reviewed for the local paper around boop, here. Boop, boop. I, I've reviewed. <laughs> I, I've reviewed the Aerosmith and Cheap Trick show because I was. And really, my my hidden motivation is I have never seen Cheap Trick and I want to see Cheap Trick. 
but the, oh. the editor and oh. who were great, who were universally great. Uh, but the yeah. editor had been because we did a tour diary, uh, for whatever long boring history. But uh, she was like, "Hey, I want you to write something." I'm like, well, like, the only reason I would write something if I would like maybe review something that's totally outside my wheelhouse, not like a punk rock show or like a sweaty bar show or something like something just like big. And the the example I gave was Van Halen, and it turns out that I was like, "Okay, but I would review Van Halen, but it'd be being me and being like, I'm gonna critical thinking." And say like, hey, if it's kick ass, I'm gonna say it's kick ass, and if it fucking sucks, I'm gonna say it's fucking it sucks, and it probably is gonna be a little bit of both. Van Halen didn't work, but I got to see Aerosmith and Cheap Trick, which was great. And it was the craziest thing because when you saw Aerosmith, like, and they t- to their credit, when I saw them, they didn't pull out the fucking Alicia Silverstone trilogy. They did. They didn't play any of that bullshit. Burning up. Okay. Um, so good on them for that. But they 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 did play a couple. They played a terrible blues jam. They they played two songs of the new record, which sounded like dying. Uh, they, but <laughs> but they they did play you know the old some of the old jams like the the rock stories in the attic stuff. And when they played like Sweet Emotion and when they played Walk This Way, it's probably. Time number five thousand, five thousand and fifty, or whatever that they played those songs, but it fucking kicked ass. It was, it was oh, yeah. really good. It was like, oh, I see. This is why these people have paid. And you know, I'm, I'm the jerk. That I, I got in because I was like writing something for the paper, and all these people are paying like you know seventy five dollars or like eighty dollars, and they're buying nine dollar beers, and they're sitting in this stadium with forty dollar t shirts. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they're like, this is what seeing a show is to these people, which is not my world at all. I work at a restaurant and you see those people the next day, so I asked me last night, it was so good. (laughs) But but the thing thing was, it would be easy to dismiss the power of them as an arena rock entity and be like, oh, they fucking suck. Like, no, like all of it was not for me, but I'm a rock and roll kind of like, you know, nerd, epicure, whatever you want to call it. But the parts that hit, it's like, oh, this is how they've been able to sustain this as a career. Like they... Right. They pushed the way. Maybe it's the fucking honking on Bobo, which is maybe the worst album title I've ever heard. Come the fucking on. blues. It's all right, shit. right? It's all right. <laughs> honking on Bobo. Honking on Bobo is pretty bad, dude. <laughs> I, uh, I I I uh, interviewed uh, Joey Kramer on the honking on Bobo tour cycle. Are you, seriously? <laughs> oh, oh my way. god! Did you make an effort to so say honking on, honkin on Bobo as many times as possible? Yeah, like we well, I mean, you know, because it was on the Honkin' on Bobo uh, tour cycle, we had to talk mainly about Honkin' on Bobo. Awesome. Tracks, you know. So, so when you sat down to record Honkin' on Bobo, what songs from Honkin' on Bobo did you think had most had mo- the, the Honkin' on Bobo sound? So did you go into this, like, knowing that you're going to do a blues covers album, or did you just, like, not be able to write a song for like a year. And then it was like, like they totally went into the studio to do like an original album and they're like, nope. It was like, fuck it, let's just play some blues songs and, you know, like we, like this, this contract, this record contract isn't going to satisfy itself, guys. It's going to get shit out of record. Totally. We're due for a record Ain't next gonna year. going to satisfy itself. Fuck it. So, you know, just a child, you know, to do, like, child put himself into the hospital for dehydration trying to write songs <laughs> in a tither. Yeah, Desmond Child, yeah, repeating yeah. character in Winner's History of Rock and Roll. Kind of interesting. I know, and that wasn't necessarily intentional, but then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's kind of like, you know. Here he is again. Because I wanted to think of it, like I said, like I wanted to think of it as like, like one big story. So it was sort of like, oh, this guy, he, he 
just kind of appears every now and then. It's sort of like uh, he's a very background character to most people. Yeah, for sure. He had to, he had like one solo hit of some sort. I remember what was but it? It's sort of like that movie. Did you ever see that movie? It's like a terrible movie, but that movie Four Rooms. You know that like oh Tarantino, yeah, yeah. Tarantino and, you know, and, uh, and like how Tim Roth is like the bellman. Totally, you know, like totally, he's like yep. just a child is like Anthony Tim Roth, Bindera, like the Winter's History, like. Like he just kind of shows up in rooms every now and then. Oh, there's Desmond Child again. And, um, but you know, I, I did like the idea that like he would get some attention here because it's people like that that keep the machine going. You know that you have these stars that come and go, but there's this bureaucracy in place that like keeps those bands going. You know that it's the song doctors, it's the record producers, it's like the A and R guys, and like the 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 people that will show up to uh, uh, radio stations and and ply program directors with cocaine, you know, sort of, sort of play your single. You Which know? is a real I thing. Remember, like, that, it wasn't totally, like, I mean, maybe still. It totally was a real thing. Like, I, I uh, one of my favorite interviews of all time. I got to interview Tommy Shaw at Six. Nice. And they, I, I saw the behind the music at Six, and he talked about how they would refer to program directors as penguins because if you gave them a little bit of snow, they'd follow you wherever you go. <laughs> so, sorry. So like, it, it, so I was like, so I asked him about that and he's like, oh yeah, like, well maybe know, that's like, the problem. Yeah, Nobody's doing that for rock music these days. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, no, no one, you know, like, yeah, nobody's providing the blow I mean, for the rock guys. Totally. I mean, you know, that, that, that's a huge, I mean, that is a common thread with a lot of bands. Like, you know, you talk about Lincoln Park, like before Lincoln Park, there was Limp Biscuit, and like on their first record, their record company did this thing like where they would, they called it, uh, I'm trying to like how they did it exactly, but like they would basically give these radio stations money, and they'd say that they were buying ad time, but the ad time was, was for the, the song. song. So, so like when the song oh, was wow, played, yeah. it was technically accounted for as an ad, but you know they would just play it with the other songs, and like that helped break their first record and and made them mm. successful. So I mean so I mean that shit that shit happens like all the time. And I and I'm sure that's still happening like with, you know, um Rihanna records or whatever. I mean or or or, or I don't want to besmirch Rihanna. I don't know if she's being Come on, bro. I don't you know, she's I have, she's 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 I don't know. I I don't want to uh, slander like, Rihanna there. She may not be getting uh, there's probably yeah the same the same situation but Chris maybe did not, her wrong <laughs> maybe not the same you know. situation but like a similar sort of hey what if we you know you it, it, it's you scratch my back you know we'll scratch yours kind of situation like that's that's yeah I mean like Tommy Shell talking about how they would you know he and this like one of their managers would like fly out to like a radio station like in you know Louisiana and they would take the program director out to dinner and like. Uh, you know, give him like a microwave oven or something, and you know, and then because he said that he did that specifically because they'd come sail away was like going up the charts, and then it kind of stalled on the charts. So then they would, so then they went out to all these radio stations to, to, to keep, you know, to basically pay these guys off to make sure they keep playing "Come Sail Away," and then it, you know, became like a top ten hit. So just giving a little extra so, moment. So, so it's totally ethical. So you know, "Come Sail Away," uh-huh. you know, that's why you have to hear that song all the time on classic rock radio because. 1977, Tommy Shaw was handing out, you know, color TVs to some guy in, you know, middle of the country. Keep that song playing. Microwave oven? I don't know. How long long does it take you to bake a potato in the oven? 45 minutes, yeah? Well, I got a microwave (laughs) oven for you, buddy. 
exactly. How about, how about you keep rocking that? Come sail away. Got something, I got something, like, you know, something new about robots going to be coming at you in a couple months. That's nice about today. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, that does that. Yeah, everything all. is on the up and up. Yeah, yeah it's, really it's a meritocracy dumb. now, right? Yeah, that's, right. That's yeah. how everything works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you can still pay people off by giving them a microwave oven for 1977. You know, like that, those, uh, those 1977 microwaves are like oh, magic, yeah, you know. They just radiate the food best. You know, they really do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, they... They peaked. Microwave technology peaked in big, the in the late seventies. Big dial. You knew how many minutes it was going to be on. There's only know. so much you can do, really. But I like that how the, the Jack Donaghy character is always trying to tweak the microwave oven on Thirty Rock. <laughs> but anyway, not not to go down that road, but uh, to change it up entirely. Um, how did you end up with the uh, the Grantland gig? Um, well, I. Uh Nice. Yeah, as you said before, I started working at my hometown paper uh, in 2000, uh, the Appleton Post Crescent, and I worked there for like six years. Yeah, and then you were. And I got a job. Onion AV Club for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, I was I was the city editor in Milwaukee uh, for for like you know a couple of years, and then I was uh, I was promoted to music editor. I did that for like a year, and then I quit because I didn't want to be an editor anymore, and. Um, Started writing for Grantland as a freelancer, and uh, it uh, worked out. They liked me and decided to bring me on. That's so, cool because yeah, you were mentioning earlier about like not doing the elitist New York thing, and that that it's important to you to write to uh, you know more of a not not an audience that's not an elitist audience, I guess. Not that you not that it panders to people that are well, and you've had unfamiliar pretty- with music either per se, but. Uh, Look, I'm a firm believer. You write from like, a point of not being an elitist. You don't try to portray yourself as one. You're, you also had the you're one, obviously knowledgeable based on the things that you had the one David Bowie up. review that I liked of that new record. Uh, the, the, oh, the most oh, recent okay. David Bowie, and, and I, I read a lot of them, and I was sort of like, it's. I was kind of like, ah, uh, you know, there's the, the 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 worshipful ones. There was the ones that was, you know, kind of is explaining the facts as they saw them. But you you mentioned that it's basically a cipher. Uh, and I thought that was so cool because it's sort of like, oh yeah, that that record's kind of whatever you need it to be because it's you know Tony Visconti, uh, David Bowie. It, it sounds very much like classic old school David Bowie, but in a way that's just awesome enough to be like, yeah, that's cool. That's that's cool. That's a good record. And but is it earth shattering? Nope. Is it uh, you know? Is yeah, are you ever <laughs> gonna slip it into the? With the good ones, you know, I don't know, know maybe not, like it's but... it's it's got a couple tunes, you know, but uh, like it was the one where I was like, yeah, that kind of that's that's kind of that's kind of what that record is, which is uh, to me is very indicative of David Bowie being like the the chameleon, um, indicative right. of like the times that we have now. And I thought that was I, that was the only one that had that insight, and I I thought that was a really interesting. I, I would say that I probably wouldn't expect that to come from a writer out of New York. That it, you know, maybe hangs out with David Bowie at parties sometimes or something along those lines. Totally, totally. None oh, of I'm going bowling. I'm going bowling. Actually, after we got this phone call, so nice. uh, fantastic. Uh, no, like, um, yeah. I mean, I uh, what I thought was interesting about like a lot of the reviews is that you know, I, David Bowie is a guy that I think lends himself to interpretation. Like, people look at his music as like a canvas that they can put their own kind of projections on in terms of, like, what he means and, like, what right. he signifies. And, and that certainly was true of this record. I think I think a lot of people expected the next the next day to be sort of, like, his old man, 
reflects on his life type record, like his time out of mind type album. And, and there's certainly songs on there that like, if, if you're going into it expecting that, you can look at certain songs or certain lyrics and go, yep, exactly. See, this confirms what I think. Or if you want to say that it's his comment on, you know, how our culture has changed in the last 10 years, you know, it's how we've become more, uh, you know, like of a web-based culture. And this has affected how we look at the world. You know, you can look at certain songs and say, yep, exactly. I, that confirms my theory right here. And, um, and if you read a lot of the reviews, I think people did that with that record. And, totally. um, and it seems like Bowie, I think Bowie probably knows that. I think he seems like a pretty smart person. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's very, yeah. very, very, very <laughs> smart. You know, Maybe even aiming. You know, if I could understate it a little bit. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> just understand. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Are you guys like, are you a fan of the record? Did you like it a lot? I thought it was a cool record. Like I, I, I actually, haven't, I haven't really dug into I it. Yet. I haven't listened. I to walked it into that and then the new Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds record at the same time, and I expected to have the opposite reaction. I expected to think the Bowie record was boring, and the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds record was for me. Well, cool, once, once Bowie, uh, once Bowie went glam, he was dead to me. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> You're just into his '60s stuff. I'm just it's... into his early mime stuff. I'm into his mime. <laughs> Before music. he put out You're some, he like put out some the, really good mime records. They put out some really good. He had some really good mime footage from the early days. But... Answer, answering the question, Ernest, like, I'm only into like the late '80s, like "Don't Let Me Down" <laughs> yeah, era. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. I, that, that, that's my Bowie. It's my jam. And he's Bowie. You can kind of pick your era. You know, it, I was really a bigger, bigger Tin Machine fan. <laughs> I, I like all the unlistenable David Bowie albums. You know, all the Tin Machine albums and uh, Black Tie White Noise. And, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other. Yeah, yeah, and don't let me down. I think those are like the worst. I, I just have a, I have a best of from '96. That's all I really know. I just saw Loop. Oh yeah, his, ver- his version one. of Dancing in the Street with a uh, with Mick <laughs> Jagger oh, all day long. Exactly. Yeah, that's, a, that's what that I listened to. So at work. bad. <laughs> that was my yeah. That was my disappointment with that record. There wasn't one Mick Jagger uh, yeah. duet. You know, like they could have done like Heat Wave or something. You know, or some other Motown classic. You know, should have been Jagger. You know, with it. Where they're wearing like the, the baggy AD shirts and like they're getting into, in each other's faces, like really saucy, pointing their fingers at each other and stuff. Right. And that was I think, I think deeply Bowie's confusing like a, to me as a child because it played before Back to the Future, which I saw several times, and uh, I remember being deeply confused. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it till the Family Guy. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, anyway, Stephen, wasn't there like a Pepsi commercial? I think it was like a Pepsi. Oh, commercial. there was a Pepsi tie-in. Yeah. Oh, how rough. That's rough business, man. It doesn't like Jagger. I feel like there's a point in the video, like where Jagger takes like a really long, a very sensual, a very sensual sip. Of a soda. Yeah. Right. That's like that was like Jagger's like I'm gonna wear like loud pink shirts era. Like <laughs> I don't know, like totally. I don't know if you guys are like Stone tucks them in too. Like like, uh, like if you look at the cover of Dirty Work, uh, which is like it's pretty the Stones that they're like at that rock bottom. You know, like the cover of Dirty Work. It was, it was pretty much a masculinity contest. Basically, the last yeah. 20 they pretty years. Much died. Stones at the well, they, and they did that video for like the Harlem Shuffle, like where it's the stones and they're like animated like cats and stuff. Uh, it's sort of like a pre opposite opposite the track type video, you know? Uh, and uh, uh, like, ah. Uh, let's, you know, let's not be I mean, smarch the name. I'm a, I'm a huge yeah, MC fan, so like, I'll even defend. I'll even defend like Steel Wheels or. I am not Lee Lounge, a Stones but, like, fan. 
Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, their, that's these guys' reaction, too. Like, come on. That's dude. a whole different episode of the show. That's, that's, that's a Molotov really, cocktail into the room right there. Really really not, not, even like, not even like Exile or Sticky Fingers? Uh, or well, I, a song or two here or there, but it's like, mm. All right, don't make it about you. Oh it's not about me. I'm just saying. I'm just not. It's not anyway, that was, a very, that was an embarrassment era for sure. Like, on, 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 the, on the upper echelon, you know, crown achievements of embarrassments that certainly... Bad fashion decision making, yeah. bad video making, like top to bottom for sure. Uh, Stephen, we have we've kept going like way longer than I we really meant to, um, which has been great. It's been it's been a wonderful talk. I know, I but, but like... to be quite frank, the battery's gonna die on the computer, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we're wrapping you. Um, okay. What what before we go? You do mention at, at the end of uh, you know Winter's history of rock and roll. You mentioned uh, a few acts, including Call Me Lightning. And, oh, yeah, uh, I was wondering, you know, any on nice a hopeful note for, a very good band. for rock and roll, uh, could you speak a little bit to that and what? Uh, yeah, what what do you think is going to work for rock and roll, or can anything work for it? You know, I I think, I, like I said, I think there's like lots of great bands coming out like all the time. Like one thing that I'm really excited about right now is that there's like a lot of metal bands that are making like really great hard rock records mm-hmm. um like baroness made like a really great yeah. like record last year yellow and green and like torch made that great record i mean they made neanderthal and then they made the harmonic craft last year yeah the band we, uh, had, uh, we had andrew from called, torch on uh recently and uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of those guys yeah they're, they're oh awesome he was a great guy and like and there's a there's another band from He's savannah georgia great. called Kiwesa that is putting out a record in may called ultraviolet which i really love and I kind of hope for that because it kind of reminds me, and I don't know, maybe this, this is just because I'm an old person, but it reminds me of like the early 90s, like how you had these like, uh, you know, starting with Mudhoney, but then obviously Soundgarden and like a lot of those other, like, they're, they're kind of metallic bands, but then they kind of got a little poppier. You know, like this really melodic hard rock. And I mean, I think that. Our blood will flow through plastic tubes. Our blood will flow until it cools. No longer slaves to our legacy. When I am gone, blood it will be free
uh, letting go. Let's see, it's about letting go. Uh, <laughs> it is about letting go. For song and harmonicraft, <laughs> the the record referenced by our wonderful guest, uh, Mr. Stephen Hyden. Before the that, truncated we truncated Stephen. The truncated Stephen Hyden. Yeah, we were dicks, and yeah. Before that, we had "Call Me Lightning." Uh, when I'm gone, my blood will be free. It's great band. about with 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 the excellent Mr. Stephen Hyden, our, our guest earlier. I'm not gonna lie, the, the Neutron is a little bummed out right now. Well, yeah. well technical difficulties. Evan speaking to explain this podcast. I'm getting a fucking root now. This sucks. It's like that. Similar to that. We had a we deal with the modern era. We deal with technology. But you know, have, you know what, Mike. Um, Machines will always let you down That's is true. the thing, and, and <laughs> our machines let us down tonight, and they run out of batteries. So you got it truncated, but it was okay because we, you know we took a little break and got it, ate a cheesesteak. Oh man, <laughs> cheesesteaks are so good. And, you know, it was it wasn't bad. I had a pretty banner day. I I actually had two <laughs> cheesesteaks today. God damn! Like I uh I had just had that one. Is a that, banner day. that was like I, I sort of like it was the central th- trip out of my house. You know. This morning, I'm not gonna. I won't get into too many details, but there was a drunken and amorous evening. That's that's for what Evan Gritson. That's what and made then, you put on the pants. That and it was and a then when I was when it was time to leave the house after that, it was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna take a walk and get a cheesesteak, eat it in the park. Nice. Maybe call my parents. Oh, what you're saying is you didn't leave your house? No, I did. You no, know, I had a oh. thought to myself that I bet Evan's in the park today. I was. I actually had that thought today. That's what I always I always picture Evan in a park eating a cheesesteak. That's yeah. the way I just picture Evan. I mean, it's like how I think of him. And it came true. All my, all but my to be fair, I always true, picture it but... in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Which we know would be better because because it's New York. It's yeah, I say. I mean, you know, again, like I said, culture. They don't know anything about cheesesteaks in Philadelphia, man. They only yeah. Stephen Hyden was fucking great, but unfortunately, the loquacious. Stephen Hyden. Yeah, we, uh, we had got... a lot of great things to say, and it was really cool to uh... check out his stuff. Uh, Grantland.com, Stephen Hyden. Uh, he writes for the Dundee Navy Club, but still, it doesn't I don't think he's he used, yeah, to. He used I, to. I think he's strictly just doing the Grantland. I've seen him actually write some stuff at Pitchfork, too. I was like, hey, oh, really? there's something I'm interested in. It's on Pitchfork. Oh, Stephen Hyden. Cool. I mean, I guess it is like more, fr- the more freelance. Yeah, and the winner's history of rock and roll really yeah. is like, we've said enough good things about it, I'm sure, but like, we'll it's really that fucking good. Like, you should read it. It's great. Like, these guys have been pushing on me for a couple weeks now. And, like, and it did. It, more flew, under, that, it like, flew under the radar a little bit more than I expected it to because right. it was. Uh, and to be fair, for, the, for I those not uh, familiar, Grantland is a, uh, a website that was started by Bill Simmons, who. Was kind of a hack of a sports guy, but like he really knows the NBA really well, and he doesn't know much about anything else. But uh, <laughs> but he kind of wants to be like an impresario. I'm I'm just speaking the well, truth. Like, if I like, I think he'd admit like, if he admit he loves to write about, about the NFL, thing, but he doesn't know anything about it. Like he really knows like basketball like right, well right. in the way that like <laughs> sure friend of victory friend of victory and associates. Do you want to get the change drop ready? Oh, okay. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. What's his name? What's his name? Kevin Goldstein. There we go. Of the uh, that was the, the, the front office of the Houston Astros, formerly of Baseball Prospectus. Yes. Um, as well as he knows, as well as he knows baseball. I was but, thinking uh, we could have him but, on but the podcast, he, but I would have to basically not talk. Yeah, history. I would say I don't think sports. it would. I don't think it would work. But anyway, um, which would be a boon to many people, I'm sure. <laughs> Great. You and him could talk sports ball, and me and oh, would just fucking. Totally you know, if, if you just went up and did a Minutemen cover first, 
before all bands, the people that that you didn't want there would just leave. <laughs> you know. No, but it's uh, back to the winning the winner's history of a uh, rock and roll. It's it's interesting. Like nice it's like I I because uh, again you challenged me last week. You said uh, I would not have this challenge, and, and I was like, fuck that. I, I'm said, I don't something. think I put it in the negative light. I just no, said, no, I said you was... should really read these, and no, then you told no. me that you. I wouldn't. You made some muttering, tailing off excuses. I was hoping to be able to. And pull I don't them think I don't too. think I was a dick about it, nor did I nag you about it. No, but I was and, hoping and to like, like, like rip, whip out the the big like you know packet of all of them. You like did. I have. Like, oh, you got there us. Go. There we go. You got big jaw. And to be fair, I didn't actually start till last night, and like just read the first one last night because I was pretty. It was pretty buzzed last night, and it was. But it was good. It was a good start. You know, like I was like. <laughs> I was a little, yeah, I had too many beers, and I was like, yeah, fuck Buzzed it, gotta... reading is drunk reading. All right, buddy? <laughs> I read that on a billboard somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> but it was a good I read start that on because a billboard it, it gave on me book. the premise of where it was going to go, and then I got home from work today, and I read a bunch of them. And it was like you said, like I was like, I, I finished one and really yeah. wanted to just go on to the next yeah. one. I was like, oh, shit. They're like, I, I, where, where is this just going to go? I, I actually skipped ahead to Linkin Park because Mona was reading it, too, and she kept laughing out loud. And I was like, all right, I got to read this shit. That's something that's that's funny. Mostly, there's so many great one-liners. We should have, and it's it's the thing that you have to remember because I'm concerned that you, the listener, in your timeline, are still like, oh, why do I want to read this? Why do I want to read this fucking what's that? We talk we talk about timelines a lot here because uh, you know it's like being time travelers that are very amused with ourselves. We really are. Okay, Um, we're very amused with our soundboard as well. (laughs) We are. We the royal royal we we the royal we to my right. Yeah. we are really <laughs> having a lot of fun with it. Get it. used so, to it. Uh, yeah. We soundboard now. Because we're not getting irritated. <laughs> as long as you're not bored. Yeah. They're just bored, and then you're bored, and then the I'm bartender's bored. fucking bored. I'm, you know what I find soothes me? Equitable ramparts. Fucking around with Timber Wolf. You got another one? What else we got? I went out and I fucked around with a Timber Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, don't dog it till you try it, guys. You know, you you can shit on Timberwolf and all you want, oh, but so good. Oh, I don't even remember what we were talking about before. Sorry, what were we talking before about? I heard of when fucking we were talking about the winners of rock and roll assholes, and you guys. It's you, oh, took it off it's, it's it's cool that he writes for Grantland because it is sort of like it's it's this sports guy. He literally was the sports guy. Was no, his moniker we at one point about. in time? We were previously. And it's cool that he has like a national audience, and it's like a broad audience of people that are interested in because it's a pop culture site. Yeah, it's kind of all as, over the map as well. Yeah, they, it, there's definitely a lot of stuff about sports on it, but it's not strictly that. And uh, Chuck Klosterman is the other primary contributor on music stuff. And uh, Chuck is. I, I think it's uh, <laughs> never heard of him. What else has he done? Yeah, well, why don't we promote some of his things that yeah, have already sold very sure well? He really needs that. I feel like he's mailing, I'd, I'd I feel like on, he's mailing it in a little bit more. I'd have him on. I'd well, openly challenge him. I, I mean, I think he's doing a great job. Yeah. I agree with Gritzy. Uh, 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 or I mean, yeah, I'd love to have him. As far as the Grantland, Grantland. stuff goes. Yeah, but, uh, stuff's good. Man. I think Hayden is trying a little bit harder. And like he covers, again, he's not afraid to cover a mainstream topic and try to uh, look at it intelligently. He which... was the only, the only David Bowie review of that record that I thought was good, that I liked. And like I said, the reason why is he pointed out, like, no, he's being a cipher. Like, he's doing, like, tell me about this record. You know, and it's, it's, he pulled out some insight that even, like, the people, you know, the New York people didn't. That, 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 that was really interesting. And it, it made me actually think about, like, oh, why do I like that record? Like, I guess this is kind of like, you know, kind of sounds like it's older stuff. It's cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And he put it down in a way that was like, there's some critical thinking there. 
about what that album is and David Bowie being the chameleon-esque entity that he's become like, oh, that's the kind of record we need to make to be relevant, but also like not making his like Bob Dylan time out of mind sort of statement. He should have. <laughs> or making like the Tom Waits, I'm the elder statesman, like, you know, whatever, but just like, sure, sure. oh, this is what people want to hear. And like to the point of like Both the artwork being boring, station to station. I'm just going to ignore you. The station to station with the, the you've seen the artwork. I mean, it's, yeah, of course. It's good, compelling. <laughs> Mouse has actually just moved on to reading the He's back the, the articles He's that he hasn't that. read from yeah, like, from yeah, the winner's history. This, this is, you know, this is actually a little more interesting. He's not guys, he's not so. concerned with contributing anything positive uh, to the remainder of the podcast, but he will continue to contribute. Let me let me just worry quote, not. <clears throat> Mr. Stephen I here. Let me just uh, quote him. Uh, and he was speaking of. Uh, I think it's Lincoln Park. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it. <laughs> Lang- Lincoln. Lincoln. Uh, um, Lynn Lynn Colon uh, Park. <clears throat> Any band that is willing to write more than three dozen courses in search of the one that's going to soundtrack the feckless rage of millions of sad face bros is clearly in it to win it. <laughs> Which is amazing. It's, 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 it's a, great, it's, it's it's a great well put together sentence as well, but it's. Dude, all of these are. All it's an amazing, ridiculous so thing that's true record. about. <laughs> About Lincoln Park, they're really they they apparently work really hard to uh, connect with their fans and give them exactly what they want, and regardless of what <laughs> you think about they that really being as an actual right. goal, right, 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 right. it seems like they're pretty tireless in their pursuit of it. Pursuit so of I guess that's what we can say something. about Lincoln Park. They don't curse, which is what I like about them. I don't like hearing none of that dirty sass I, talk. It's just you know. Why did bands have to curse so much? You know, it really gets on my nerves. It gets under my skin. Does it crawl on your skin? It, well, don't. That that makes it sound a little racy. That's but a, I, a bad yeah, song. It, you could buy Lincoln Park. Oh, d- oh sorry, <laughs> I don't. Or totally, yeah, because I'm, I'm not going to do an impersonation of it. Because uh, it's not hard. Not, it's, you know. I don't. It's too soon to put the country <laughs> through that. <laughs> We've, we, in our timeline, it's been a very <laughs> turbulent week. He does start to scream. <laughs> kind of like. Sometimes I think that guy's Jared Leto, but it's not. No. Oh, Jared Leto. Oh, man. My sister, I love her, but she got me like a 30 Seconds to Mars. is like a <laughs> Christmas gift. Cause, like, really? Yeah, like, yeah, like, I heard you're, you know, like, she saw my. I understand you like the rock music. Yeah, it's, it's such like the, the, like, the, like, the non-rock you know, um, person getting you like, oh, well, you're, you're having a hard time doing, you know, like, what, without. Uh, uh, life will go on without the Boomtown Rats for you, my friend. They, they really, and it will without 30 Seconds of Mars. And her <laughs> life quote, indeed will go on without 30 Seconds of Mars. What she said was, like, I asked my friend, and she said they screamed a lot. So I figured you, you would, <laughs> I figured you would like it. It's like, oh, right, of course, yeah, that's. You really understood my band when you saw us. That <laughs> it, they screamed a lot, so I figured you would like it. In the in the oh. in the pantheon of species justifications, I love maybe the greatest gladiator of all time. That statement, it's incredible. <laughs> he screamed wow. a lot, so it, I figured it'd be your thing. I figured it'd be your thing. Damn. And what do you do? What do you mean? Just like, oh, thanks. Just, oh. Thanks, I love you too. <laughs> I'm sighing as softly as I can right now. <laughs> That's the one drop I don't have yet. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we generate enough on our own. <laughs> so we, we, uh, can, we can do them live. You've been listening to You Can't Stop the Signal. You certainly have. Have you? And how do you feel about it? Wait, have you? I have. <laughs> oh, I have. 
Rabbit, well, yeah. yeah. I haven't I've been, I've been keeping up on the... I've heard a little bit of it. I can't lie. The Root Canal sold me. They turned me really off. I can't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I've, I've been just phoning in. Like, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> You've been yeah, asking me... That was a really good like, anecdote you, that I kind of totally forgot you, about. You know, you, you'd send me the, the Dropbox, and it's like, I just can't do it. Like, I'm back in that chair. I can't listen to it. <laughs> I'm back in that back chair. Back in that chair. Uh, <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, you know, it's just it's 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 a terrible thing. Fuck this podcast. I'm getting a fucking root now. This sucks. Exactly. <laughs> really then there you go. That's why. Yeah. Anyway, uh Stephen Hyden, you can find us up in Grantland. Uh, uh super intelligent, super if you couldn't tell already from the interview, I guess yeah. super <laughs> well, let me tell you about Not just intelligent, but like yeah. You know, I'll tell you what fun guy to guy. talk to. He's the kind of guy you actually do want to have a beer with. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure it would be just like conversation we had you yeah, know totally like just meandering from topic to topic and uh i'm sure that that dude would have done another hour with us had uh, yeah, i know we, had we had the battery Shit, resources to keep him on i would have you know? another hour with him you know i was like, like there, i would have laid down on the floor at some point but uh <laughs> like, it would oh, i would have yeah. stayed on it would have been good i've never thought yeah, these, that these much about jack johnson you can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> should really think about it. No, like actually, he mentioned that I can't fucking remember the name. Like that, that that band he mentioned that I was like, huh, who? I listened to that band. I was like, oh yeah, I could totally see. But like, yeah, you're in a fucking boat in like the south, and you're like, yeah, this is exactly what you want to listen to. And it's, oh, that's right. Yeah, it does yeah. not bend. It does not have any new Kenny, boundaries uh, broken. Kenny Loggins? No, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, what was the band? Kenny Ayers. You're taking a boat way to the danger zone. <laughs> Boat way to the noodling zone. Taking a boat into the noodling zone. Like the fake bass sounds are amazing in that song. Like the, the bass keyboard is so fucking juicy. Solid. The big hang. I like for me it's all about like the fake organs that come in later like <laughs> <laughs> It's a very dramatic song. <laughs> it just it really is. It's a lot going on. I don't disagree that that's a thing. No, I Yeah. I mean Oh Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to, we should, to close this show. Yeah, I was about to say we should probably <laughs> really get off this show before that. people just before before we decide no listeners yeah, whatsoever like, left. At this point people are turning before off. Before we alienate Dixie like, Jacobs. Done. Dixie, don't turn it off yet. Wait, wait. No way. John, 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 wait, John Hasty, just hold on. We're gonna Ryan, Ryan, okay, calm down. Stop it. It's cool, bro. Jesus. Keep it in your pants. We got the ice cream for you. I got Briars in the freezer. What you mean about Briars? I have a song called Rocky Road flavored ice cream from the pilots. Oh, well, that, that seems topical. No, it's, I guess we Maybe should. Now it's topical because we just referenced Ryan. Yeah, that's I don't what I meant. Any good or not. I remember. I remember the song. <laughs> we'll find out. Are we gonna wildcard that? That's, this yes. is, like, is it in your list? It's fucking right there. It's, we put it in the list. It's on the. It's. I did. It's here. It's. Well, it's uh, next to all those I put little a lot sound of things on my list. Other spin things that you put. Your kiss is on my list. Noise with. So. <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> we should play Love Gun. Let's, let's close with Love Gun by Kiss. They don't seem very. They're not litigious, right? No, they're those cool. guys. They're cool. They're not. Don't, no, they're cool. Those they're guys literally guys, guys. don't own a single chill. lawyer. You know, let's just do a Beatles song. <laughs> oh, love you guys. Thanks for listening. I'm familiar with you guys, and uh, I'm familiar <laughs> with you, and I respect your work, and so much as that you show up. But I don't. I don't feel any emotion towards. I don't want to. I don't want to turn you off, and I'm glad you feel <laughs> so that way. But I. You show up. We appreciate your presence at You Can't Stop the Signal. 
You'll be getting a 15 cent raise in the next year. <laughs> to uh, keep up with cost of living. Thanks for listening. I'm going to play another Combat Lightning song. Awesome. Bye, guys. Still talking about Jenny Jones, aren't we?